0: k Billy, super sound of the 70s weekend just keeps on a coming with this little ditty that reached up to 21 in May of 2022. This is Conan Neutron with the Movie Night Extravaganza theme song.
1: It's all about this Coos who's a regular
2: fucking shit. Now I'm talking morning, day, night, afternoon dick, 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 dick,
1: dick, How many dicks is that? A lot. So one day she meets this John Holmes motherfucker and it's like, whoa, baby I mean, this cat is like Charles Bronson in the Great Escape. He's digging tunnels. and right, now she's getting a serious dick and she's feeling something she ain't felt feel since forever. Pain. Pain. Chew, Toby, chew. It
2: hurts. It hurts her. It shouldn't hurt. You know her pussy should be bubbling on by now. But when this cat fucks her, it hurts. It hurts just like it did the
0: first time. You see the pain is reminding the fuck machine what it was once like to be a virgin. At Sundance in nineteen ninety two, a virtually unknown filmmaker, Quentin Tarantino, took the festival by storm. Tarantino had been working at video cops in Manhattan Beach and virtually consumed the whole video store. Reservoir Dogs, the film he co-produced with Lawrence Bender and Harvey Keitel, was originally conceived as a $30,000 amateur project that Tarantino was just going to make for his friend.
1: I, I never really was trying to sell Reservoir Dogs because at some point I'd finally been able to sell True Romance for like you know, the lowest amount of money they could legally pay me. But, uh, uh, but I could have actually made Reservoir Dogs in 16 millimeter. With $30,000. So I kind of could make my movie. So I didn't have to fuck it up. I didn't have to compromise in any way. I mean, if you want to give me a million dollars to make my movie, well, then all great, but it's got to be the same movie because I can make this for 30000 on 16. And it we'll won't be in a warehouse. It'll we'll be in a garage, but that'll all be good. All right. Um we'll start Harvey Cattell. All right. But, you know, it'll all be good. I'll be a filmmaker. I'm not a filmmaker now. Harvey Cattell is the one that kind of like gave me and Lawrence legitimacy. And how it happened, it was, you know, it's like, you know, if, if Harvey. It said yes to the movie and wanted to do it. I think we would have eventually got it made, but it would have been like the normal route of like taking a long time. But Harvey has always been one of my favorite actors in the world and like literally in a, in a, in a wish list, all right, of like whoever I could have be Mr. White. Harvey tell was always like number one on the list. So we were trying to get it to him even though we had no legitimacy, no money, no nothing. Okay, just a script. Orange Spender was going to an acting class just anyone out there, this is kind of how, how it can work. All right. And the, you know, it's like, for as many things that can go bad, you know, things can go good. You know, it's uh, like that line in true romance, you know, some, you know, and yeah, things bad, ha- bad things happen. Well, that's the way it goes. But don't forget, it, it can go the other way too. Pendulum swings both ways. It might not seem like it sometimes, but it eventually it will. And this is a guy talking. Pretty much through most of my twenties, had nothing, had nothing but bad luck at all. I used to, my joke used to be, <laughs> from 19 to 28. All right, it was uh, 27 or something like that. It was uh, you know, if you wanted to send a letter to me, you could write it, it said Quentin Tarantino on the outskirts of the
0: film industry. <laughs> if you have sent it there, I'd have got it because that's right where I was. All right, but Lawrence Bender's acting teacher had gotten the script to Harvey Keitel who liked it and liked Tarantino and Bender enough that he helped them raise 1.5 million dollars. And Keitel also helped them pay for and schedule casting sessions. The script was a heist film and was inspired by everything from Kubrick's The Killing to the big combo and Django. Will Joey Cohen please look under the frigid air? Here's one of their current progenies, Martin. We're gonna give the lieutenant a little concert. Can you hear me, Lieutenant? Daringo Lamb City on Fire and other Hong Kong masterpieces.
2: do
0: Tarantino's style, stylistic cinema, characters who have naturalistic pop culture infused dialogue, references to other cinematic works. This is all on full display in Reservoir Dogs, and between Reservoir Dogs and 1994's. Pulp Fiction, Tarantino blazed his own Path in filmmaking that's long been copied By indie filmmakers After taking Sundance by storm, Reservoir Dogs Was picked up by Miramax and started a long Collaboration with Miramax and Tarantino I think everyone's seen Reservoir Dogs So I'm going to keep it short I should have my fucking head examined. going ahead when I wasn't 100%
3: That's your proof?
1: You don't need proof when you have instinct I ignored it before but no more
0: You lost your fucking mind Joe, you're making a terrible mistake
2: I'm not going to let you make. Come on, guys. Nobody wants this. We're supposed to be fucking professionals.
0: Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Moving Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat which helps me keep the show running, and which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the secret friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron of The Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Gives them an argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. KT Baldassaro is an actress, director, and writer who wrote and co-directed and also starred in Girl in the Basement along with appearing in quite a few horror movies. She's also voice acting in the scripted podcast series, the Starwell Foundation, an audio drama set in the city of superheroes, wherever podcasts are listened to. I, of course, am your Super Sounds of the 70s host, Boris Miller. I mean, Mr. Purple, not Mr. Pink. Anything but Mr. Pink.
4: Got a guy at another job was Mr. Black. (laughs)
5: <laughs> man
4: what, what a delight it is seeing that dude who is, is, is like uh, that guy's a like, um legendary hard case actor but like i forgot how great he is like I it, it, there's so many great performances in this it's really like difficult to kind of single too many out but lawrence tierney is so good as like uh, that guy you know uh, that i guy, love i of love like
0: his that. dynamic with uh chris penn who's yeah. fucking sean penn's dead brother and, like, I love his father-son dynamic in all those scenes where, uh, you know, he's clearly like a father figure to all of these, um, like, kind of just the worst people around. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like,
6: Chris, <laughs> Chris Penn was also, was he also the best friend in Footloose? He... He wasn't, first, that weird wasn't, wasn't he? Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I
6: feel like my only other experience with Chris Penn was vastly different. <laughs>
4: did
6: he die in the 90s?
4: Yeah, that's why I said. His dead. D-
6: yeah, he definitely. Yeah. Out.
4: Yeah. That, hence the dead part of that, Andy. Okay, <laughs> I mean, he's also. He
3: is true. Oh, right. right.
4: I have to be confused well.
6: with his living brother.
4: I remember he was in Shortcuts because I'm a big Altman nerd. But, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So he's in Footloose, Rush Hour. Uh, yeah, it's
6: like the doofy friend. And, like, in this one, yeah. he's like a uh, kind of a much more aggressive character. So Not the Jackie Chan
4: movie, right? Rush Hour. With Jackie but, Chan. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris Tucker. Is there okay. another rush hour that I'm aware of? There's a rush
0: hour no. too.
4: I mean, there's rush. Ha- I used to be in the Bay Area. There's a rush right. hour every day, if you know what I'm talking about. Hey, you're talking about traffic, people.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, I just wanted to make sure. Is like, there's not like some some weird indie film called. Rush Hour. Oh, you hour think they like,
4: they like pulled an old boy and like, remade a movie that has no business being remade? <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's just like Chris. Hollywood uh, Chris never
6: Panham. does that. No. Right rush round. hour,
0: but they're both white. The... <laughs> One of them is Scarlett Johansson.
3: Yeah, and the other one's Chris Ben.
6: so to try and drag ourselves back on topic so chris penn is in this movie and is good and is also sadly no longer with us
5: yeah
3: correct and also was very quiet during the madonna scene because he wanted to respect his uh former uh stepsister or, uh, oh, oh well, Step, no, yeah, that's not definitely not stepsister, <laughs> but sister-in-law. Sister, yeah.
4: <laughs> I was yeah, I got also,
6: oh, Stevie in the chat said he was also in a Jay-Z video. That man uh, hustles.
4: Busy. Yeah.
6: Busy. Uh,
4: I can say I'll cut you I'll cut you some slack on this one Andy that I maybe otherwise wouldn't cuz he whipped out that artwork like it weren't nothing. So. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh, we had like 3 <laughs> hours notice or something. That. So that's
0: yeah. not nuts, dude. For
6: those not in the know, we did you guys did pivot from a different movie tonight.
0: A very different movie. Little yeah, bit,
6: was, little different. Yeah. I, I was literally
3: like in the middle of like prepping for uh the episode, like I was all re, re, you know, ready to relax. I was ahead on artwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 then. There you go. Okay.
0: By the way, Chris Penn, first guy, or at least first white guy, it seems like, to die from lean. He had uh, promethazine and codeine in his blood. Oh, uh, really? Like, like codeine cough syrup. First, uh, first famous white guy, I guess, to, to get killed off by that. And it was what right in the, it was right in the bling rap era it was in 2006 <laughs>
4: well I was thinking about this a mod immo- I've seen this film a lot over the years I, I saw it I didn't see it like when it very f- first came out it wasn't that cool but I, I saw it um when I already was like taking my one and only like filmmaking class of the half a semester of junior college I took before I dropped out uh and much like almost apparent apparently every male my age uh, had my mind blown uh, I did not in fact make any Tarantino ripoff movies though. Uh, <laughs>
6: But, how old were you when you saw this? Just uh, in early
4: twenties, eighteen, 20s? 17,
6: 18 Okay, probably. so yeah, primo so much, demographic.
4: Right, I was right white, down the line. And don't white. get me wrong, I absolutely loved it. And honestly, like as much I like Pulp Fiction, like for years and years, I would say that I like Reservoir Dogs better. I think I've changed that opinion now. And I, you know, the whole like rating the Tarantino's is like a difficult proposition because some of them are so different. But the point of that saying is, I didn't even really, except for. Some small academic construct in my brain. I didn't realize even thinking about the terms of like the fail son, which now the Sopranos, you know, like you know you have Anthony Junior, <laughs> right? Like that kind of brought it in there of like, oh yeah, well you could have just like in any business you can have like the son that's like like a shadow of like who the the father is, and like that was something that I was like, oh it's interesting because it's not that like Chris Penn's character is incompetent or not that he's like especially ill suited to uh, the thing, but like his father is just such a literal and figurative giant in crime that it's sort of like oh he's never gonna stack up he's always gonna have people like making little snipey remarks like uh, michael madsen does and mm-hmm. uh you know but even though it's like apparently from just years and years of busting each other ball- balls and like like childhood friendship it almost seems like
0: yeah but, and it seems like the 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 dad uh the lawrence Tierney character like it, it seems like it reminds um like the 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 vincent vega character is almost who's supposed to be uh john travolta's brother in pulp fiction or something like dick vega
4: and vincent vega yeah, yeah. They're brothers and, and, but, and apparently he's plotted out like a prequel that has them like doing stuff together and like and it just never came to pass which yeah. would have been pretty hey, well QT, so if seems, you want to do a graphic novel like he's, a, he's call me he's adopted, I, i'll
3: i'll draw it for you man he's and he's soliciting quentin turn uh, too for work yeah. right now take yeah. the,
6: yeah. the shot. you miss the shots you don't take yeah his so, failed so, so.
0: son's uh, like friends, right? Like, like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. like Michael Madsen's character, uh, mm-hmm. Vincent Vega. Like, it, it seems like it seems almost like he's adopted all of those as like his uh, his surrogate kids because his own kid is kind of a fuck up, like,
4: yeah, <laughs> yeah, not like an egregious one, but just like not living up to the legend. Like, he kind of feels like he still has to be really involved in the business with them, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of keep a close eye on him, but he's a nice guy, <laughs> yeah.
3: so you know, like nobody, nobody's mad at him because he's, he's yeah. a nice guy, Eddie.
6: And it's a great excuse for you know when the characters make bad decisions because you don't want to watch a film where you watch characters make bad decisions and then you're like what are these just a bunch of stupid idiots it's like oh you can see the motivation and how a corner got cut or a thing got mis missed right. and and it really builds i think what i love most about this film is it's one of the first films i saw where it was in one, really kind of one location. And you're right, Mm -hmm. these amazing performers from all of these, performances from all of these actors is what really pulls it together. So yeah, it's it's kind of funny because I also saw this when I was like 16. So you know, I often you're, wonder, you're a big fan of
4: this one, right, KT? I mean, I was we about it a beforehand. So
6: huge film for me. This is like yeah. one of the films that made me want to make films, which is also ironic because we also yes. talked about how there's zero women in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> although if Z- we did zero a-
4: women that aren't in anecdote form
0: yes uh, well, if we did there an ocean 13. There could be a woman in the basement you know what i mean like we never see the basement of that warehouse so you this know is, is I mean?
6: tied right in girl in the basement is in this universe
0: <laughs>
6: <laughs>
0: um, just down there chopping on the leg yeah, yeah but
6: like, like, like i just they were it was the coolest i'd ever seen anyone be it was also um i had gotten ifc And it was one of the first couple of films that I threw up. So this is like Mm. me as a kid getting to see anything that wasn't a mainstream film. This was like slackers in this movie. And I actually turned on this movie in the, like I thought I had caught the middle. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Uh, um, And I put it on. What is the beginning when you see Mr. Orange with his gut shot. And I immediately turned it off because I was like, no, I'm going to ruin this experience for me. And I like, wrote down in the tv guide when it would be on again so that i could come back the next day because i'm this old to watch it because i was so desperate to right. see what it was like it was quite the experience for me to get to see this movie it took a lot
4: <laughs> well i can imagine as someone which i don't know how early your interest in, in acting began but i mean i was just thinking about uh so the the timrath story where he's practicing the story and you see him scene. practicing the story as one does actually practice a scene, which is just get, get you get the, get the rhythm of the lines, you you like make it real for yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But then you see him doing it, and it's done in this like very like exciting theatrical way, where the stakes of the story are, you know, like oh well, he's gonna get caught. But, well, of course, not. it's not a real story for him. But yeah. but, the, but it also is like, but is he gonna get caught in the story not being real? Which is which is a really interesting uh, kind of double-sided narrative of, of, of just like gradual escalation, but also a really good example of acting. There's
0: also yeah. so many. There's also so many like small details in the story, like the summer of '86. It's really hard to get weed for whatever reason, yeah. in the middle of the Reagan era, and he's the one guy with weed. And then you know he's like, all my friends wanted ten dollar bags. He's like, I don't even know how much that is. Like, there's so many small details that he had to memorize yeah. for that story. But
4: that's what you got to do if you're if you got yeah. like a soliloquy or something, right? You need yeah. to like make it real for yourself. And so if you make it real for yourself, you have to add in like enough details that, you know, like it's you can envision your mind's eye as if it happened.
0: Could have been any of the characters, pretty much. Like, he could have auditioned for them. And he Mm -hmm. chose Mr. Orange because he wanted to be an Australian, pretending to be an American, pretending to be (laughs) a uh, criminal who's like a cop right like he, he, he thought that like all of those layers together in that story and like the, the improv improvisational nature of it would have been like wow i'm like an australian guy pretending to be you know what i mean like an american mm-hmm. guy pretending to be a criminal pretending to be a cop you know what i mean like
4: it's yeah. a uh, turducken of live performance
0: it's, and it's, it's, so, so- it's like uh, robert downey jr in in traffic thunder where he's like, I'm yeah. a guy, I pretend to be another guy, I pretend to be <laughs> right. a different guy. Right.
6: Which is, this is like a really great acting acting exercise and great to chew off on. Uh, it's it's part of the reason why I fell so in love with this movie and with Tim Roth. I wound up watching like every single film Tim Roth ever did because his performance <laughs> no. is so good in this. But it is also <laughs> such so well written. Even though Roth comes in and does this amazing performance, he's using well, Tarantino's way of writing yeah. Like, if Sorkin can write dialogue that never feels like it's actually delivered by a human you've ever met, Tarantino is the exact opposite. Like, yes. I could hear a human saying this. And it's almost hard to, like you said, Conan, make it feel real when it's this colloquial and you're like, you're some British guy. But he Yeah, I it. mean,
4: it's, and it's it's not like, you know, classic rat-a-tat dialogue, but it's delivered quickly. There's like rejoinders, there's, you know, like it, it's, it's, that's not, easy for people that have not acted, that's not easy. Like, you have I mean, to, like, really be familiar with the, the material and or really trust the people you're with. They want say and or. And, and it, it brings you
0: right into uh, when Tim Roth is allowed to be his, like, Australian self at the beginning of yeah. Pulp Fiction where yeah. he's, you know, giving him the the speech where he's, like, you know, everybody cool down. You know, be, like, he's, like, he's, like, calming everything down and he has a fucking gun on top of the table. He's, like, yeah. thank you, honey bunny. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that whole yeah. scene he's able to be his, like, weird fucking Australian self. And you, like, forget in this movie that he's an Australian actor completely. Like, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, he's he's some guy mm-hmm. from, like, California. that You know what I mean? Like, uh, he probably wants I... to be an actor and then became a cop. Dude. Yeah. I
6: know. <laughs> and that scene is a really wonderful kind of, like, acting exercise for if you want to see how to break it down, how to make it real, what that would look like. It's, it's like a little... In there, I used to try and do that monologue uh, for auditions, but nobody, everybody's like, You're a girl, please do some, do 10 uh, things I hate about you. And I'm like, No, I'm gonna oh, do the not, commode that's, scene.
4: <laughs> oh, come on. Well,
6: and I, oh. but, so, and harkening
4: back, that's first of all, that sucks. Not, not the commode scene, just that, like, why not gender swap it? Who cares? It's not so important that it's a guy and the fact that it's a men's room. And I get, look, people don't sit around, cops don't sit around in the ladies' room. I don't know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Maybe they do. I'm not, in do. I'm I not keeping track of some cops. of those. <laughs> They're generally cleaner. Notice I say generally uh, But it's funny going back to the earlier conversation about Chris Penn's character uh, that for uh, Lawrence Tierney sort of like keeping an eye on things and trying to make sure things run smoothly, it's his screw up for letting in Tim Roth. Like, and he says it, I mean, he immediately like takes accountability for it because like, I wasn't 100% on him. You know? Yeah. I, like, I never go. so. But like, it is, it is not, in fact, Chris Penn's fault at all. <laughs> like as far as like if you talk about the success of the crime, right? I mean like <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well <laughs> those And and Lawrence, like the Lawrence here, uh like that character, right? Like um it, you, you get the feeling I think when he's talking to uh you know to like Vincent Vega or whatever, like the you know, that that character it's Vic um, Vega here Vincent and, Vega. Vincent yeah, Vega and Vincent Vega in public. Vega is, is the one yeah. Vic I get yeah, but yeah They're brothers, to, like, so I mean when he's talking to Vic Vega, right? Like you get the um you get the uh, the feeling that this is like their Z team, right? Like they have yeah. a bunch of jobs going on at once. There's guys yeah. that get like the cool names on a different job. That's why you can't yeah. be
6: this guy. Somebody else and another guy, go- another yeah, yeah. job is me.
4: I was the guy. And, I was the and guy there's, a was line,
0: there's a line that they yeah. say uh, during that where He's like, well, we don't want the boys. Right. Like, cause there's like the club of them, like the club of the, yeah. the A-list people that he has working for him, which I guess nice guy. Eddie is one of them. And, and you know uh, this guy, Mr. Blonde is one of them too. You know, I'm not even gonna say Vega this time, but um, like, well, yeah. you get, you get the feeling that he's in like their inner sanctum, and these guys are kind of just yeah. like con con artist slash like robbers slash whatever that they've kind of cobbled together. They're like, I'm starting a team. You know what I mean? Like, well, so- Mister Pink
4: is like, you know, well, for, I mean, first of all, and can we just give give a shout out for how brilliant is the like the naming? You're this, you're that color scene. Just great dialogue and so naturalistic and like
6: again, very naturalistic dialogue.
4: And all the objections and the and the retorts and the fact that like he's just getting madder and madder with them too, like uh, Joe is and like it, it's so it's so good and me- immediately memorable because like you like it tells you like everything you need to know about the, the Steve Sihaming character that like maybe you were like, well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt from the tipping scene. It's like, no, this guy's a real real put on. like he's yeah <laughs> he's kind
0: he's of, like, he kind he of sucks. He's <laughs> one of those guys that you would call I mean, and it's rare that I think a guy gets called this, but like difficult. Like, yeah, uh, no, that, like, he's totally like, difficult. Like, to. I don't, I don't want to work with that guy anymore. Like, that guy's a bit difficult. Like, bit uh, extra. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
6: Conan, I think you hit yeah. on a really interesting point there with how much of this film is deeply quotable. Um, yeah. and then I have to go back up in the chats a little bit. Somebody was saying that they were somewhat annoyed with film people in high school, just kind of ripping this off because you're right, it was so quintessential, and it was like. You know, before the internet this is kind of the gem that hit people when they were able to get it for 99 cents in the blockbuster used bin sure yeah so like how did it not wind up becoming trite for me how did it wind up becoming like a hey there delilah or something that was just too much too overexposed uh and almost hey represent like
0: what's it, what's it like in new york city huh?
6: <laughs> um <laughs> To, you know, to kind of represent pretentious film people, but it never quite made that jump for me. Do any of you feel like it made that jump for you?
0: No, but uh, I usually just
3: mute those people.
6: I mean, something <laughs> that, That's a valid
0: point. I mean, something interesting, yeah. like uh, along that same line. And I've told the story a million times on the podcast, but uh, when I went to, you know, when I finished college in like 2017 or 2016, whenever I took my like final film seminar there was a rule that like, you couldn't have a, like a shootout, you know what I mean? And everybody died. Right, right. No, You, you the, uh, told the
4: story before, we absolutely should be on here because this is the movie that it's yeah. So, <laughs>
0: so uh, Bray, who was my film professor, um, had graduated from, you know, college for film, uh, the same, like the same time that Pulp Fiction came out and everybody was still trying to rip off like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and doing these big, uh, shootout scenes. So still in 2017, 2000, whatever, 2018, whenever it was, um, they they still had a rule that like they wouldn't let you do shootouts now because yeah. uh, because they were they were so overdone um, for the years after Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction came out.
4: Oh, <laughs> they great. really were though. I mean, they if you were. think about when we talk today about you know studios and filmmakers learning all the wrong lessons from films, whether it's Everything Ever All At Once, Barbie, uh, so on and so on. This is like. The generational example of learning all the wrong lessons from films. because how many sub-reservoir dogs exist, right? So oh my god, it's yeah, a yeah. genre practice. There should be a section for it. And I, I mean, remember
3: Albino Alligator? I mean, down to the name, uh, <laughs> like like the stupid ass name.
0: It's it's <laughs> this movie and it's stuff like a uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Like yeah, uh, those are the two that I think get the most. Guy, I lock. mean
4: Guy Ritchie is definitely. We have Quentin Tarantino at home for sure. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think he's a good filmmaker on his own, like like he yes yeah,
6: those those amazing shots, the way he edited things together for lockstock, like, yeah. oh, yeah, definitely that it jumps the shark at a certain point in time. This movie never quite did for me, yeah i I like
4: oh, I don't want to make this about guy Ritchie. I, I like Guy Ritchie well enough. I think he's had like some good uh some good moments for sure, um mm-hmm. and some some good films, but like. I don't want to be a jerk. They're not on the same level, no, at yeah. all. As film, but, but I'm it's saying like in close. terms of definitely okay. okay. got
0: ripped off a lot during the sound But period, but yeah, right, Lockstock right? is mm-hmm. like
4: I mean good. Like,
0: there's uh, yeah. uh
4: was it two days in the valley? There was uh, oh god, what was it? Way of the Gun? That's a total oh god, yes. I mean, remember mm-hmm. that? I mean, I feel like,
0: mean? like they were almost making fun of like that kind of phenomenon with uh when when Christopher in fucking The Sopranos makes Cleaver. And it's like oh, yeah. making, I must like, be loyal the, to my capo. Yeah, yeah like the, the straight to the straight to DVD uh like version of a of a mob film that's like yes. a bunch of fucking mobsters get together that have too much money and they want to invest in something that's going yeah. to make them like just above whatever money they were having back in this fucking cleaver. <laughs>
4: yeah, and, and for every but then also like they're there ones that took the the energy from this and they kind of did something uh cool with it. Like I think certain aspects of it you can see with the Nicholas Winnie Reffin with the, the Pusher movies and to a lesser extent, Drive. Uh, Steven Soderbergh? Uh, Soderbergh, Soderberg, for sure. Absolutely. Um, it's a little contentious. I love the Clive Owen shoot 'em up movie. I, I do too.
6: Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Yeah, it's,
4: I think it's brilliant. I think that's an example of taking something and kind of doing something else with it. Um, it really feels
6: like John Wick as well because it's super stunt sure. oriented over maybe, maybe plot, but I don't feel like either of those really misses much plot. It's super fun.
4: Yeah. And I think like, uh, I mean, even like, you know, smoking Aces is enjoyable, but I feel like most of the, um, most of the things that kind (laughs) of, the lessons that were learned from Reservoir Dogs were not the lessons I necessarily would want people to learn, which is sort of like the, again, coming back, remember we talked about Desperado. Fellas, mm-hmm. that like you know, was like, oh, the Robert Rodriguez, like you know, his whole uh, you know, 10 minute film school, El Mariachi into Desperado, and like you know, just like using what you have to make something wonderful. If you like, I in my mind, I've seen this movie a lot. I always forget that there are literally any scenes that are not in the warehouse. It's like, oh, of course, there is a diner scene. There's like that great scene where uh, Steve Buscemi's just booking it and the cops are chasing him, and mm-hmm. like, but like, it doesn't matter because it basically could be a stage play
3: for the I vast tell you the majority two of it. guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they made a bottle
6: episode. episode. One, one
0: person yeah. who I think uh, took all the wrong lessons completely from uh, Tarantino's style of film, like dialogue. Seth MacFarlane doing any pretty much animated series that he's done, from like Family Guy to yep. whatever the other ones that he's done, <laughs> where he where he does the things where he just references pop culture. Like that, one hundred percent is taken from uh, Tarantino's style of uh, dialogue. Absolutely. Both in this movie. And in Pulp Fiction. Well, and um, one could
4: argue, and real quick, Stevie, yes, Way of the Gun is the one where Sarah Silverman gets punched in the face, uh, like, in almost, like, the first, like, two minutes. He does a really, it's actually a very funny cameo, but, like, it's it's not a great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Deadpool. Like, uh, Ryan Reynolds' approach to his passion project, which is Deadpool, and, you know, it or hate it, You can't deny the fact that the man tried to get it made for years and then turns out was completely vindicated by the fact that it was a huge hit. But, mm-hmm. like he rightly saw that as much as deadpool started off as a really annoying like b-tier like you know rob Liefeld era villain like that there was people that it took the character and and wrote it brilliantly to make him this kind of like more self-aware uh tarantino-y uh, you know rat-a-tatting uh yeah bugs bunny style like character almost. And like, that's feel, what made those movies work.
0: I feel like it's that's Uncle it. Alligator that finally gave the green light to Ryan Reynolds. Dude, I've like, been looking for the Uncle so
4: Alligator image for for like f- five minutes, I swear. I was going to do a bit with it, but I can't find uh, it. A superhero,
0: oh. superhero movie that's rated
4: R. Check inbox, it's coming
6: at you now.
4: <laughs> I, was, so, I was trying to, because when Andy said some, uh, the, what, the movie with the alligator in the title, I was like, oh, that reminds what, me. Albino Albinos Alligator. Yeah. alligator. By the way, do you know what a reservoir dog is? Anyone?
0: I do
3: All
0: a right. dog it, a dog that gets caught in a reservoir it,
3: it, it's somebody who <laughs> misunderstood a French title and said it wrong Reservoir dog is
4: a lot uh, rats that are grow up by the reservoir. Get really big and fat and sassy, so they're called reservoir dogs, and it's also a, so a Pen.
3: Wait, wait. So, so when I got chased in Boston that one time, those were reservoir dogs. It was a reservoir dog, but it's also a term meaning like a rat, meaning like a uh, yeah,
4: an informer or a uh, or someone. That
0: <laughs> I I didn't want to say that word
4: because I thought you might do that, and here we are. Yeah.
6: And here we are. You can't.
0: <laughs> that, one, that one. That's good trivia, party. Conan. I like that. That Pretty one cool, after huh? Party yeah. where we yeah. just did Informer for, <laughs> for that's so it's so bad, so annoying. <laughs> uh, so, but
4: it's a, yeah, it's a, so. Reservoir Dogs is a slang term for a rat. So basically, that that's that that's what that. Which I didn't know that for years, and I was like, oh, that's cool. That actually makes me like that better because before it's like, oh, that's just a cool term. Like that's a neat. That, uh, Those are that, two words that sit nicely yeah. together.
0: That West Coast slang. <laughs>
6: so. And it's not me if I've mentioned this. I didn't before know before because so the person to ask. Uh, um. I often get stuck on, stuck on this tangent talking about the uh, episode of Star Trek: Next Generation with the um, uh, Tiberians, where they they speak in uh, colloquialism. They speak in phrases
4: like metaphor. And Picard has yeah. to
6: like yeah get back and forth between the two of them. And Forrest was just talking about how Tarantino has this kind of referential style, and I almost feel like there's this this way we're communicating with ourselves as we continue to progress in the internet where it's almost these memes are kind of like shaka when the walls fell, or, you know, like, like a way that we can say so much, with just referencing a, a image or a story or a thing like that. And it resonates so well. And it's a way, you know, we share a meme, and you get it, and I get it. And we feel like we're from the same culture right away. Is that kind of what Tarantino's doing? Is that why it feels so real?
4: and to the point that he has uh meta references to shows that don't exist but feel like they do like that like he has Although like some of them instance, do
3: and just nobody remembers like in this some movie. of them do
4: and don't remember but uh but the examples i'm going to give the, was this thing i was saying which is that kill bill which i adore is canonically like a film within the Tarantino universe. That is what Uma Thurman tried out for in Pulp Fiction. That what a character tried out for. Mm-hmm. And then he also mm-hmm. has like that cigarette, like the the, the cherry cherry apple, uh, the app whatever. He has a certain brand of cigarette they use. He's got Big Burger all over um, Burger. everything. Big Burger. It's
6: supposed to be like a decoupage of of images that you like. It's familiar even though it's new. It's very. It's an right. interesting way of creating a visual art. Yeah. Speaking you of mind visual arts,
0: if I have a sip of your sprite to wash this wash down? wash this down. <laughs> uh,
6: <laughs>
4: where, there's a there's a song called "When." So, all right, uh, my there's a new Protonic uh, from last week that's coming out, but this week's current free episode of Protonic is Robert Cassis from Thousand One Album Complaints. This band called The Chop, et cetera, et cetera. He's in a band called The Beverly Crushers, which is a Star Trek themed funk band. <laughs> and they have I, a song oh, called When I, When the Walls Fell, and it's pretty ripper. And actually, it's the opening theme goodness. for Thousand One Album Complaints, and it's, it's definitely worth a listen. So I just put the Beverly Crushes record in the chat. And if you want to hear more from him, he's uh, this, this last week's Protonic guest. So I'm only That's bringing it up because there's no other time I can think of where we come up on this show and <laughs> <inseparably>, So, <laughs> but it's well, great. And it's exactly what you think and hope it's going to be.
0: So, so he I also guess wrote my, a metal
4: record about Arby's. Thank you.
0: My, my thing, <laughs> uh, you know, to like ask KT about, right. Like as someone that does screenwriting and I've like dabbled in mm-hmm. trying to do screenwriting and I end up like, you know, destroying everything that I try to write. But like, uh, like that referential thing in the beginning, right? Like that scene with, uh, you know, like a virgin, they're talking about Madonna songs or, um, you know, any number of scenes in Pulp Fiction where they're kind of referencing something from uh, popular culture. Like it it feels, um, it's hard to pick something that is going to, uh, last long enough, you know, within the, within the zeitgeist, I guess, to mm-hmm. be evergreen the way that Tarantino manages to. And I kind of always found that fascinating. Like anytime that I try to write something and, and reference pop culture, I'm like, is this, is any of this going to be around? Like if I, if you make this into a, you know, a short film or something and it references something like, yeah. uh, you know, like, and I think there's a very Gen X. Uh, well, that that's where, a, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh,
4: so, sorry to railroad you there, but like, I, I, I you know, I see, see what you mean, but it's also like, He's also coming from the generation that didn't have this end of memory that we have. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and and also his references are so specific. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they're like good or bad, they're just very very specific. And it's something where if you know the references, then that's great, but also like it's such a lived-in world with how he has it that the characters know it. So yes. it's sort of like, and this goes back to like what we were talking about, uh escape from New York. Everyone just like knows who Snake Bliskin is. Oh, Snake Bliskin. Oh, yeah, 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 Snake Bliskin. And it's like you're like, oh, crap. Everyone seems to know who this guy is. I guess it's important, you know. <laughs> and so if you have people like talking about, uh, you know, some TV show or something like in the car, and they're and they're so like, it's so knowledgeable and well versed on it, then it's it's you're inclined to just be carried along with the conversation. And this is a trick that has a lot of lesser writers. Uh, And directors have tried to do with, and I think I saw something in the the chat about it being something the MCU utilizes, and I actually would Mm -hmm. back that, but Mm -hmm. only with like the quippy parts. Yeah, (laughs) only, only like the sort of like you know nudgy, nudgy bits, and not without any of like the sort of like deep uh nostalgic associations for like weird uh esoteric Mm -hmm. like night flight era movies and and things well the the
0: the the madonna scene in the beginning of this movie is is like so uh it's it's so fascinating that each of them follows madonna on like a different you know thing like we're talking about true blue like early madonna they're like oh i stopped listening like there's the one guy who stopped listening to her after that you know what i mean after like borderline or whatever uh there's you know they're talking about like 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 a virgin like um obviously like quentin tarantino's uh character has thought a lot about this the rest of them haven't but it's kind of fascinating how there's a lot of give and take with um you know like the one guy who who doesn't even know anything about like madonna songs and then it's being explained by uh you know by by Steve Buscemi, he was like even I know that and I don't even listen to Madonna and like yeah. each, each of the characters kind of um represents a different uh, opinion about Madonna's work and it's like Jesus Christ all this for fucking Madonna like yeah
4: yeah, yeah exactly which which yeah. it, it, and at the time of this coming out like everybody knew who Madonna was but it yeah. wasn't like you know, like when those songs came out, it wasn't like 80s Madonna. It was uh, like, I can't remember if it was precisely where in the arc of her career it was, but it wasn't like the coolest reference. It was just more like, oh, that's yeah, Madonna. Right. Of course. Like in the zeitgeist in the way that you're like, you know, some nowadays it's just like, oh, that person's famous. I don't really understand why, but they're famous now. Okay.
3: Where at least of the Donna
4: you knew, and, like, that's kind of what they're referencing is. Like, one yeah, of those, she, like, she
3: also kind of had, like, her periods, too. And, uh, you know. Well, of uh, course, she's a lady. Like Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, no, well, she, she had, like, different eras. Which is of, why
0: she never appears in this film. Uh,
3: uh, uh, of her. And, and she was uh, in a very distinct era, and I, I don't even know what to call that, because that was, like, Vogue era. I don't know. Is that is that right? I, I'm going be real. I don't care. Mm, yeah. But, but yeah, uh, yeah, you're probably well, yeah. right. Yeah, they're are different eras. This was my, like, my point is like was, her
4: her zeitgeist uh, yeah. energy at the time has kind of ebbed and flowed during like the '90s. Uh, yeah, but everybody knew who she but was. But this right?
6: the scene still hits now, even sure. even though it was written. In, and I think that's kind of what Forrest is going at. Is like, I think the, the, to answer your question about about why, as a writer, I think it worked. I think this is why tarantino is is important, and it's not just yeah. the millions of people who have tried to rip him off. It's he seems to have a very good grip on the zeitgeist. Yeah. And what he grew up with does seem to speak to us all, even though it is incredibly specific, like you said. It's like if you've ever read a Patton Oswald book, he does it as well, really, right. really well. and it's incredibly specific. and yet you feel like you've been there. And it's a great way to to make exposition for a scene you can explain something to a character you can invite everybody in without having to have it feel like why are two cops explaining the law to each other right now
5: (laughs) right Mm
6: -hmm. (laughs) well and it comes from
4: a very deep understanding Mm -hmm. and love of that esoteria whatever that may happen Mm -hmm. to be like and again sometimes this is like you know 70s pulp movies Uh, Sometimes it's like, you know, it it could be anything. Like Lady Snowblood, right? Obviously, like Mm -hmm. Lady Snowblood, he more or less based Kill Bill off of it. Uh, But it's... It's a deep, deep understanding of, it. and I think a lot of the problems when people try to emulate him, they're coming out of just trying to get the quips out, right? They're trying to, yeah. Get out the... yeah. <laughs> and, and it's and like, it's, well, look, what, what work does that scene
3: say about these characters too? Like, like it actually says yeah. something mm-hmm. because, like, right? Uh, you know, each of the characters not only are they coming from a different perspective, but but how they're interacting with this conversation. You know, you had Joe over there, like going, you know, just like shouting out a name, going like, oh, Sandra, Sandra Wong, Sandra. Yeah,
0: Sandra Wong. Sandra Wong. Like going through his address book because he can't be bothered with the conversation. Yeah, because number like he's part of a different generation than. And he said, "I can't believe I I found this address book.
5: It's great." (laughs) But (laughs) it's like if you've ever seen
6: people try and emulate Monty Python, like you can't quite put your finger on what the formula is. But when people try and hit it off, it's just really not not right, and a lot of people try.
4: I, th- I think Lauren's tyranny would be a great Uncle Alligator if he hadn't died in two
6: thousand two.
0: He made it. He uh he died. You gotta run Mario. this
4: job, kid, and you're gonna like it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, just use just use AI. We can d- deep fake it. Sure, Bring him back exactly. to life for this. Yeah, yeah. Get back to that,
4: right?
0: <laughs> We've got these Israeli diamonds coming in and we need we need to we need to warehouse them right now.
3: <laughs> oh man yeah. just imagine uh uncle alligator in uh uncut gems now
4: oh man
0: <laughs>
3: i think it sound
4: a little something no no we're not gonna do
0: it yeah <laughs> no. um, so this is uh speaking of the acting in this right like th- there's a rehearsal thing that um they they recorded oh, sure. all of the rehearsals with like Sibu and uh tarantino going back and forth and trying to rehearse scenes in this and um I don't know. I think it's. I think it's cool. It's I want to say this was an extra
4: in the DVD. Yeah, if I remember right, right. Yeah.
0: But people are also like in the comments uh, of the actual video were like hating on. Because like, someone uploaded it, they were hating on Tarantino's acting in this. It was like, dude, he's like rehearsing. Like that's not.
6: Yeah, it's not a performance. It's a rehearsal. <laughs>
0: you could like just read it in a
4: deadpan. It would be fine. How you know? dare
6: you suck in the read through? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Those are the ones responding to the alarm uh, look, look at that Those foot shot. Man, I'm
5: telling you, they were
2: there already. They were
0: waiting for us. Oof, my darling.
2: <laughs> hey, Mr. White, man, huh? Haven't you thought about this? Look, I have fucking time to think about jack yeah, shit, man. First, I'm trying to get the fuck out of there, and then I'm just going with him. <laughs> he's, he's doing... <laughs> shut the you fuck stop up and start thinking about it alright? Because that's all I'm thinking about. Every time you talk, you lose fucking blood. I'm going to fucking leave you if you don't just stop. If you don't man, shut up stuff, man, knows about this place. You hear what I'm saying? They could be cops right now on that way here. Would well, you shut the fuck up, motor mouth? You're freaking this guy out. Hey, I'm freaked out. Okay. Look, let's take it in the other room. Let's take it in the other fucking room. Wait, no, wait. hey, 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 hey. I told you to be quiet. Every time you talk, you lose blood. Now I'm gonna leave so you don't fucking talk to anybody. You got that? Okay. Right. Now I'm gonna be in the other room. Just like? sure. chill the fuck out. Shut up. How funny about this job, right? now.
0: What if it was like being
2: the guy on the as couch. It's like every time I ever got burned by in weed, same thing, man. I felt funny about the guy, you know? But I wanted to believe him because I feel like, you know, if he's not lying to me, if it really is tie stick, whoa, baby, you know? But it's never a fucking tie stick. And I said, if I ever fucked that way about a job, I'd fucking walk. It's like a fucking money table. <laughs> hey, well, Dan, I need you cool. All right? What's done is done. I need you cool. Are you cool? You don't look cool to me. I'm why cool. You, okay, why don't you splash some water on your face? I'm really cool. You gotta smoke? Yeah. Well, why don't you smoke one? Okay, now let's go through what happened here. We're in the place and everything's going fine. Then the alarm gets tripped. I turn around and there's cops all over the place. You're right. It was like BAM! Blink my eyes, there's fucking cop city out there. And then that was when everyone started going apeshit. And that was when Mr. Blonde whipped at his fucking gun and started no, no, executing wait, 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 people. Man, man, That's not correct. The fuck's wrong with it? <sighs> the cops didn't show up at the alarm at all. They didn't show up until Mr. Blonde went off. But, wait a minute. As soon as I heard the alarm, that's when I said. No, no, I man. I'm telling you, it wasn't that soon. They didn't let their presence be known until after Mr. Blonde went off. I'm not saying they weren't there. I'm saying they were there, okay? But they didn't move in until Mr. Blonde became a madman. Don't you see? They were outside waiting, okay? The alarm goes off, they did nothing, all right? Mr. Blonde starts shooting, bang! Now they had to move in. I mean, that's how I know we were set up. Oh, Jesus Christ, Mr. White, can't you see that? Hey, God, fuck this Mr. White shit, all right? Hey, shit. hey, 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 wait a minute, man. Don't tell me your fucking name, all right? I don't want to know it. Sure as hell, I'm going to tell you my name. Right? This is bad. This is really bad. How the hell did you get out? Shot my way out. I mean, everybody was shooting, so I just blasted my way out of there. There's a couple of cops. Did you kill anybody? Couple no, cops. No real people? Mm, just cops. Man, could you believe Mr. Blind? <laughs> Those are the most insane fucking things I've ever seen. What the fuck was Joe thinking about when he hired that guy? Huh? I mean, I don't want to kill anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. But if I gotta get out that <laughs> door and you're standing in my way, okay, one way or the other, you're gonna get out of my way. You're gonna get it out of the way. I mean, that's how I think about it. A choice between knocking out some stupid motherfucker in my way and doing 10 years ain't no choice at yeah, all. You're buying a fucking man. Why did you hire that guy? I mean, you can't work with a motherfucker like that. A motherfucker like that is unstable. What do you think happened, man? I mean, what do you think really happened? Do you think he panicked? Do you think he's trigger-happy? What? He's a sick fucking maniac. You know, I mean, we're goddamn awful lucky. We didn't get tagged when he was doing his cowboy shit. You know? I came this close to taking his ass out of myself. You know? I mean, everybody panics. Okay? I mean, things get tense like that. Yeah, you panic. Mm-hmm. All right. But I mean, you panic on the inside, you know, You in, in, in your head, you don't, you don't fucking go crazy. <laughs> you know? I mean, you get a grip and you, and you, and you get a hold of the situation.
4: So I'm always trying to get a grip and get a hold on the situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, do you, first of all, do y'all know that, uh, oh, two years? Right? Yeah, I was gonna say around the same time. Yeah, 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 which is crazy because that's he's such a different character. And well, I mean, this, like when, when they were talking about
0: uh hiring Steve Buscemi a, around this time, right? Like, yeah, uh, one of the big roles that he had played was Reservoir Dog. He had some hadn't... heat
4: from that, right? Yeah, if I yeah. remember correctly, uh, I should know it wasn't that long ago we did that episode, but anyway, <laughs> uh, that, oh. But you know who was considered and actually read for the part for um, uh, for that uh, for yeah, at least read for the the like aversion scene which we keep referencing, but read for the Mister Pink role,
6: Tom Waits. Mm. Oh, that would have that would have worked for me as well. I don't. You know
3: who read for Mister Block? I don't tip. <laughs> I don't. I'm not I never tip. <laughs> I I'm, love him in yeah. anything he does. It's not my problem. <sighs> <sighs> Well, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Love- Blonde was read by uh, George Clooney.
4: I'm fucking positive you're on the level. So let's I don't know just try if that would have worked. Figure it out. Yeah,
3: no, yeah, I, I agree All with right. you. That one wouldn't have worked, but it would. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of like like before I could have seen George Clooney. I could have
0: seen him. George Clooney as like uh, Mr. B- Mr. Blonde, right? Like I could have seen him as the um, Mr. Or, uh, you know, as the as the you know as the trigger happy. It, like younger George Clooney, I could have seen him being like the trigger happy around player. that time.
4: Yeah, well, because Michael Madsen, this film kind of made Michael Madsen as like yeah. that type of role, which he yeah. basically just continued doing for a very Wrote long it.
6: time. Yeah. <laughs> also, side note, Conan, uh, nice Tom Waits slash Joker impression. Oh, thank you,
4: thank you. Yeah, I was I was hoping it got in over whatever Andy was trying to talk about over it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Tom Waits as an actor. I think he's. I yes. think like we talked about that when yeah. we had uh, when we did. um the Denzel Washington movie Gary wrote it. Why uh, mm-hmm. can't I think of it right now? Book of, Book of Eli. Eli. Book of Eli. Yes. yes. How uh, what a great casting he was in that. And
0: um, honestly, my favorite uh, Tom Waits role is uh, when Truman. they. Well, no, Mr. when they Truman put is... him in, uh, in Buster Scruggs and he gets <laughs> ah, done, yeah, he yeah. gets the um the.
4: Well, well, hold on. Have you seen Down by Law? Yeah. I was about to bring that up. I, I assume yeah, that's I mean, what the next thing out of your mouth was going to be was the down by law was one of your favorites. I'd be like understandable, but I mean he is great in Buster Scruggs. But no, but I, I, I really like
0: that they give him they gave him his own uh, you know segment yeah. right like the Mister the mm-hmm. the you know the Mister Pocket one just to go fucking ham on it right like yeah, he's yeah. the only oh, actor throughout yeah. that entire uh, you don't need anyone else in there thing besides like the faceless guy that tries to shoot him. <laughs>
4: He's also in um, uh, Shortcuts as well, but it's but everybody's in Shortcuts. It has, like, 60 actors in it. Yes. But Down By Law is a bit. Anyway, Tom Waits is great. Tom Waits in the Steve Buscemi role would have been... It would have been different. It would have been yes. very different.
6: Was this the first time you guys saw Steve Buscemi? Or Buscemi, as he would pronounce it... it.
3: Yeah, Buscemi. Okay, sorry. It's one it. of those ones
6: that we all course. pronounce wrong, and so it's just taken that way now. But Well, yeah, I mean, he, I saw Pulp Fiction
3: press. before this, uh, so I definitely okay. saw him uh, in... Uh... <laughs> you know as uh as the elvis no the buddy holly guy
0: mm-hmm. um, i saw i saw spy kids too where he's like <laughs> where, as a kid where he was like do you I think God?" Was... How young you are no, uh yeah, desperado
3: I, like, I watched before this
0: but okay. I, he yeah. has that he has the iconic uh spy kids two line where he's like do you think god uh lives in fear of what he's created or whatever and yeah. like everyone's like whoa in a kid's movie
6: <laughs> is that also your first experience with Alan Cummings by kids? Because I this is yeah. a weird way to live. That's, <laughs>
4: yeah, that's insane to me. That's I still remember... World, like, I still, like a sane
6: person?
3: <laughs>
4: Roby and Michelle's
6: high school reunion.
4: <laughs> I still remember being like...
6: Is that Robert Rodriguez
3: made a kids
4: movie? I know. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> Crazy. Like, that's insane. And then, like, oh, yeah, he definitely did name me He, made
3: more he did it first, kids, which is the, like the best mm-hmm. reason to do it. So, it, uh, it is the be best happy. reason to do it. But, yeah, yeah. I, you know,
4: this definitely, I saw Desperado after I saw El Mariachi. I'm one of the mm-hmm. only people I can think of that could say that. But, like, uh, it was both after Sheen Reservoir Dogs. Okay. So, this, I think, is probably the first thing I ever saw him and I was aware of. Yeah. You know?
6: This and then Fargo. And so it felt like it might have been a, a good, like, this was the pre roll to getting that yeah. role in Fargo.
4: I, I came kinda I, I came a couple years later to the Coens and and it was and then honestly I saw stuff in like Living Oblivion before I saw Fargo, which is crazy because like I think like the only one who saw Living in
6: Oblivion. Did he? But. No, I yeah. also <laughs> also same way.
4: <laughs> but I think it's it's why oh yeah, Michael Madsen with the song stuck in the middle with you both enjoyed a major resurgence. No, I completely agree and I'm glad that was brought up because that that there is no there is not any other scene specifically quite like that. And I understand that like that, again, is an homage slash steal whatever from uh, from noir, uh, code era noir. But like. It's the usage of the music in, in the way of, of like using because remember, S- Steelers will not like there was a huge hit at that time, mm-hmm. but like much like how the Dick Dale right basically,
0: thunders. you know what I mean, like. Well, Basically,
4: Dick Dale. I was. I had an actual point I was gonna make, but Dick Dick Dale was like uh, got his career uh, restarted because of uh, um, Miserloo in Pulp Fiction, right? Like, which yeah. is not even used for like that much, like maybe twenty seconds of it, but it's enough if it's like the biggest movie in the world. Um, big resurgence for Seaward's Wheel and uh, and Jerry Rafferty, but like it's the dichotomy of the cheerful kind of like bouncy, dancy song and the horrific things happening on screen, which. Mm-hmm. Have been bastardized in what I can only call a new metalish way now to be like those Saw movies and things like that, which I just can't
6: stand. They're just like torture porn. Yeah, you're Not torture it. porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and they're just really like meta um I mean it's referenced like, you know, throughout the entire movie. I, I noticed at this time in the beginning when they're uh when they're in the diner they're already talking about um Kay billy's super songs of the 70s or yeah. whatever they're mm-hmm. like uh yeah have you have you been listening to that in the radio and yeah. you know i feel like you i feel like it's easy to forget how um radio used to be something that kind of brought everybody uh together in that way especially it's if you universal
4: someone experience absolutely who, who drives around
0: yeah. a lot like all, all of them clearly are you know what i mean like they spend a yeah. lot of time you're for- listening
6: to a countdown together yeah,
0: yeah.
4: yeah. Like, well, and that's a days. It, it's it's sort of like it sets it up for later as well. And by the way, can we just give a shout out for Stephen Wright as the voice of the DJ? Which is, yes. Stephen
6: right, absolutely.
0: He also says, uh, he also says you can win uh, the 12 car or win tickets to Monster Truck Extravaganza mm-hmm. to you see know, original, original, behemoth. uh, name for this show Monster <laughs> the Truck, Monster Truck extravaganza. extravaganza. Yeah,
4: yeah. 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 Well, I, it, I, he's a certain way- type of DJ. He's like that laconic sort of like, I'm just here to like back announce things. I'm not trying to be a personality, but like mm-hmm. to the nth degree where of course Stephen Wright speaking as he does, that makes him a personality by nature of his comedic brilliance. But yes. there are so many DJs, or at least there used to be, um, that just were not trying. They were just, they were doing the work. They were reading it off. Yeah. They weren't trying to, they never thought of themselves as a, as, a, as a superstar or a celebrity. And then everybody started to be trying to be Howard Stern and that's a different story, but like, yeah. It's it's absolutely stunning how fantastic and iconic the Stephen Wright of, like, of which is maybe a minute and a half, two minutes in the entire film.
3: And it's so, film. Yes. it's
4: so memorable.
3: Yes. Yeah. So good. I, I and, used to and watch song. That About You just for his cameos. You know? yeah. <laughs> Not for Hank Azaria walk- as the dog walker? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It was it was Stephen Wright. Uh, my, my favorite line was, like, uh, I, I think I can uh, – I think I have uh, – uh, i have a what is it um uh i'm a peripheral visionary i can see things in the future but it's a way off to the side <laughs>
0: <laughs> um there's so much if you look at if you look at uh i i don't know why it took this long for this pop up but if you look at uh buscemi's like um wait i'll put it on the screen if you look at his filmography around like this time you know what I mean, before his like big break with this and with uh you know with things like airheads even and like um, mm-hmm. look, look how much! Look how much work he like had to put in. Oh, he to, was
4: yeah, yeah, like a long okay. time. Well, he's
6: not um, gonna get uh, known on his looks.
0: Yeah,
5: <laughs>
4: no, true. but well, he's, he's not been, like he's, he's not a, a bad looking
6: dude. But he's a unique looking dude. But in Hollywood yeah. at the time when he's starting, in particularly, it's Milner's gonna be an up, uphill battle for him because there's not really Rising an independent sun. scene. That's wow.
3: probably the first was movie in *Barton Fink*.
0: Yeah, he was in. He was in like briefly in *Barton Fink*. Barton Fink. <laughs> That's
6: a good movie. That's worth your time, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's like, uh, and yeah, living in, in, in oblivion is the Yeah, that,
4: that great scene Desperado. Yeah. We covered that. Yeah, yeah things you never yeah. you're dead. Billy living David in David oblivion, which be. apparently gave from LA. Getting lots of love, living in oblivion in the chat. So thank you, my. <laughs> yeah, Donnie, thank you friends and fans.
6: That's With the quintessential Donnie, role. Who love bowling? Most bully. people know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> listen there's gonna be a wrestler
4: in this picture (laughs) (laughs) it's all you need we don't need the rest of this story just figure it out we need that that barton fink feeling
0: (laughs) you know how many you know know how many writers i have that can give me that barton fink feeling
6: (laughs) (laughs) do you remember the simpsons episode where they're going to go see the r-rated it's barton fink I do, yeah. <laughs> and they're all they're the all kids like, are in the back of the car. Barton, Fink, Barton, <laughs> Fink.
0: There's the there's the running joke in uh, in Fargo too, where you know on multiple occasions they're like, you know that fellow was just kind of funny looking, and they're like, uh, yeah, that's
4: that's that's what uh, MDR was just saying that like it's it's yeah. remarked upon it's, in Fargo, like in universe, right?
0: Which is hilarious. Every, everybody that sees him in Fargo uh, gets, and then they're like, you know, in a general sort of way, like, <laughs> yeah, oh, you know,
4: in a general sort of way, just kind of funny looking.
3: Yeah, it's so hard to put your finger on like what is off. About Steve Buscemi that makes him you know so unique looking. I mean, Cause, cause, I, I mean well, it always...
6: passes for a young kid very well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yes. Hey fellow.
0: This is I think, yeah. I think the the same thing about him that's interesting oh. looking. And, Funny looking uh,
4: hot, apparently. So oh yeah, yeah, there was some good there, there was so much yeah. Brendan Thirst posting on airheads. I
0: I barely remember Thirst posting for anyone else,
5: yeah. but yeah.
4: The, the same the same no, kind
0: of he's, not, he's got I, I, I'm not saying I'm not yeah. saying they look uh, you know, that similar, but like, there's something um, interesting about Steve Shemi's face that's the same thing that's interesting, I think, about Peter Laurie's face.
4: Yeah, uh, oh, and, totally. and, yeah, in, yeah. and in all yeah. fairness,
6: yes. Uma Thurman has a similar, like, she's got an interesting face. So, yeah,
5: yeah I, I can right. see it. Yeah. Yeah.
6: <laughs> I, I I feel feel like, but To feel feel like go back like to what you were crossing. saying, Conan, about the, the song... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there is there a world now where we can hear that song and not think this scene though?
4: Absolutely not.
6: <laughs>
4: At it, least in my like, world, like it it's like, it oh all, yeah. At least yeah. for a moment I'd like I imagine Michael Madsen doing the little dance and like yeah, getting out the straight
0: razor yeah impossible
6: I mean, for that song to be used in anything else in any other context
0: I mean I, I could see it uh used like a, a political convention or something when it's like the they're like oh we need a new party it's not Republican it's not Democrat it's something in the middle and they put God. stuck in the middle with you on and it'll this, be the, just as good like,
6: as getting your own ears cut off
0: yeah so, like exactly thank Andrew, you Andrew' it's, it's what Andrew yang listens to when he comes out and he's like
4: <laughs> yeah yeah. so We're going forward <laughs> all right, I don't, yeah let's move on from that so so the the song that has like the walk the uh the um you know the walking in the the slow down the film um bum, which bum, other, bum, 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 yeah bum, little green bum, bag bum, is the name bum, of the song from 1969 dutch song by the way it wasn't actually a hit at the time and it's originally it supposed to be little green back but then it was somebody wrote little green bag, and they're like, "Oh, you mean like weed, huh?" And everyone's like, "Sure, Yeesh. sure, you, yeah." You
0: walk, you walk around with the little green bag. <laughs>
4: uh, uh So it became like a cult classic song after being in this film, and it, like it was yes. in like a whiskey commercial and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it like,
0: and it's K. Ba- Billy. K. Billy's the one that made it a hit song.
4: And it, it, but it basically was never a huge hit or anything. It was just, and it was just a song that like. He heard and like liked and kind of was like, oh, that would be cool in here, and, which is great. Yeah, because he had a more. Zeppelin song, wasn't he? I think I don't remember which one. I was trying to. Trying it was like to, uh, you know, money. <laughs>
5: the money song.
4: No, uh, uh, it was. Um, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Anyway, but but, but yeah. like it. It basically, and that's happened before. Like there's a five six seven eights song that's that, mm-hmm. uh, and they're in the. Um, Kill Bill. They're like performing at like the the crazy 88's place, and like it, you know, it's it's just the diegetic music thing. It's like uh, something that we popularly attribute, and rightly so, to Edgar Wright, but like. Quentin Tarantino like has he does some crate digging, you know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. worth noting. It's worth giving credit for, especially you know, as someone aspirationally hopes that happened to me someday.
6: It kind <laughs> of uh, it kind of reminds me there was a few other films at the time that were in this same sort of indie sphere that did that. And uh, did you see Bottle Rocket?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the Wes <laughs> yeah, West 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 Anderson
6: film. I yeah, know, I but like it's his. outside of his his cuteness. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's but why it I like the Soundtrack it. that I got, and I wound up finding out that, like, as a kid, I'm like, these are just existent songs that are awesome yeah. from all these old artists. But this and film that's, and that film did that to me.
4: And, and so a lot of that, um, a lot of stuff from Wes Anderson with that, like, like the usage of those David Bowie songs by that, um, the, the Portuguese folk singer and um, mm-hmm. uh, the Life Aquatic and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That's Mark Mothersboro. Helping out with that too, with the, with the music direction, of Devo fame. So he's nice. He's, again, yeah, I, I, I volunteer for that job as well. Call me. I'm a big I wonder. One. I wonder with
0: uh, <laughs> Tarantino doing this though, like how much of that is also um, like he's picking out older songs that may, might not be as uh, you know big at the time, right? Because it, yeah. it's also easier and cheaper to get rights to play
4: the song. Uh, yes, absolutely. touche, touche. Yeah. Well, that's why it's so obnoxious that this. I feel like the same twenty songs that you use in every movie. And it's like, oh my god, not this again! Like, yeah,
3: Hallelujah by, by Leonard Cohen, uh, great right song. Like, like, but uh, don't not even in my belongs, top twenty of Leonard Cohen belongs
6: to Shrek no. and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> it
3: belongs in
4: a museum. Thank you. No, <laughs> no, it's yeah. enough. It's enough. Pick some other Leonard Cohen songs. He has like seven thousand of them. You know, and yeah. they're better. <laughs> and they're great. And they're better than that one. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a particularly baffling one. But yeah, I mean, just like it's it's. But, the, I mean, I don't want to make this a rant about um, diegetic and non-diegetic music selections, whatever. I'm just, specifically, I wanted to point out that Tarantino Dolly does it well. This is the first movie that he did, and he's doing it great from the jump, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that's that's worth noting, because a lot of people, uh, uh, song replacement becomes a thing that they mm-hmm. you, you put a song in, and you, you know, the director gets used to seeing that song and hearing that song in that part of the movie. And then they can't get rights to it, so then they hire someone to do a sound like song which is like close enough to avoid litigation, right? Uh, i
6: definitely. It, I was it, gonna say I've definitely been in background scenes where they've they've had to do that. Give us yeah. music to dance to, right. and they're like, "This is just the sample. It's a four four beat. We have no fucking idea." Yeah, well, it's, gonna, it's gonna it's gonna be.
4: There's gonna be something in there eventually, uh, but it's they, it's they hire
0: the Dutch people back to do Little Green Back. <laughs> <laughs> on the track which is a little green buck <laughs> but where i was going with all
4: that is that like i think it's it's he's in a rare sort of echelon a filmmaker that mm-hmm. when he's when he picks music it, like he's picking the music for the scene but it's not necessarily going to be like the most the pop most popular thing in fact most cases it's not it's almost mm-hmm. obscurest for a lot of situations mm-hmm. like i like martin scorsese a lot we've talked about martin scorsese Martin Scorsese's got the Martin Scorsese thing, right? There's always going to be a Stone song. You can freaking guarantee. It's always going to be the same
0: Rolling. I, I literally oh, have yeah. it pulled up right now. "Give Me Shelter," but okay. it's like this, it's the same in three different movies. He has a scene with "Give Me Shelter."
4: KT was doing the electric slides, says Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> no, is why I never danced to that. How dare you?
5: Yeah. Uh,
6: to go back to what we were saying earlier, that's kind of what makes this is Tarantino is a full director. Yeah. Uh, you know, like he, he has this ability to pull the songs, to pull the the references and, and to build this, this world. It's, it's impressive.
0: Um, so this is, this is him being asked about, uh, like, you know, his thing, right? Like his style. And I thought it was interesting that, uh, he's hesitant to kind of, um, you know, quantify, I guess his own <laughs> style, which I feel like now, I feel like we're we're in, like, a, a moment that's, self, that's so self-aware with, like, the internet and so self-referential that now, like, filmmakers are, are going out of their way to, like, be like, oh, this is my style, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating that he doesn't want to put himself in a box here even this mm-hmm. early in his career.
1: Method of, like, oh, this is my style and this is what I'm trying to do or anything like that. But it's just a mixture of, I guess... Um, I'm always like a slight hesitant to try to explain certain things I do because by in doing that, not because I'm afraid of revealing stuff, because, but in trying to articulate it, I'm almost putting more of an onus on it than I really am at the time. You know what I mean? I don't want to make it sound like it's really super thought out, but it is a kind of a combination of the fact that it's like, I mean, I just... But dialogue is the easiest thing in the world for me. I think my dialogue is pretty good and because it comes so easy that it's almost I almost feel like it's not really mine almost. All right. It's it's like if there is such a thing as a God's gift or anything, that's one of the gifts He gave me. And part of the thing in doing it is just getting characters to talk to each other. It's just like I just uh, I just get them talking to each other and. And and they're off. The characters are writing it. I'm like a stenographer. I'm like a court reporter. All right. I'm just... No, actually, I don't type it. I write. All right. But uh, I'm just writing it down. Taking genre characters and genre situations, all right, and giving them a real-life spin, have them sound like real people, like, you know, me and my friends and just other people and make references that other people make that movie characters don't necessarily make, all right? And uh, and and talk about shit other than the plot. All right, you know most of us don't talk about the plot in our lives. All right, we talk all around things, and we talk about bullshit, and we talk about things that interest us. Gangsters don't just talk about gangster plot-related stuff and just polish their bullets. All right, and talk about this murder or that murder. They you know they talk about songs on the radio. They talk about you know chicken dinner ha- they had last night or they're having this moment and this girl. And then, well, sometimes in gangster movies, they'll have them talk about a girl. But that's about it. They don't talk about just stuff. And people, and people are screenos people. Screenos in the course of that, one, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Two, it can be entertaining. Three, it's like kind of likable in a strange way. All right. It makes them seem human. All right. And it's also authentic. Rappers and cops and gangsters And real you know, criminals or gangbangers and everything said, no, man, Reservoir Dogs is it. That is it. There's no, like, drama attached to the scenes when they talk. They talk like real people. They talk about the shit that we talk about. All right. And then, like, the most outrageous stuff is the stuff that rings the most true. That's something I've learned from life. And I also kind of learned from, you know, Omar Leonard in his books. But always, so all these cunts and little monkey wrenches that just smacked true of life. Cops are chasing after character. Character's running down the street. Can they commandeer a car, throw the person out, jump in the car, but it's a stick shift and they don't drive a stick. All right, that's real life. And it kind of fucks up the genre moment. All right, kind of <laughs> fucks up the, the speediness of the film. All right, well, that's what I'm always trying to do.
6: And that's why I know how to drive stick.
1: <laughs> that was it that was the reason yeah, yeah. you know,
6: don't fall behind. but he's right though because look at what we do to people like M. Night Shyamalan who get stuck yeah. in a box of what we expect of them and how hard it is to make films when that happens to you
4: that's kind of a very tragic story I think I mean in a way but he seems like he's happy doing what he's doing
6: he's, but like twist yeah. ending
0: doing. he was he's rich he's fine.
6: <laughs> uh, I, Uncle Alligator will do something with him later <laughs>
0: Listen, kid,
4: we're going to give you one of them Marvel superheroes, all right? So don't screw this up.
0: (laughs) What do you think of poor man, poverty man? (laughs) This
4: guy, this superhero, he's working class,
0: right? (laughs) And he's
4: got nothing but
0: class. (laughs) He's poverty man. He keeps trying to rescue people. He's got more powers than anyone. (laughs) He keeps trying to rescue people, but they don't want help. They Actually, have, I guess he already
4: did Unbreakable. It's kind of a superhero look. He did
6: his a, own I superhero a, genre. And I think I yeah, yeah, oh, surprise. that's right, because there's
4: the sequel, Glass. There's yeah, yeah. Glass, have, and, and there's,
6: then there's Split, which is yeah. a wonderful look at, at that.
4: Uh, and the newest yeah. edition, Poverty Man.
0: Right Poverty, now, so Poverty, man, is Poverty man. man is a superhero <laughs> who's like a homeless he's guy. He's just trying to get paid, people. He's, well, he's, he's like a homeless guy, and he keeps trying to save He has like, all these powers. He keeps trying to save everybody, but they don't want to get saved because they're like, ah, there's... I, you know, get away from me. and That's called so. Hancock? <laughs> I want to be saved by middle class man. <laughs> the there middle class a, man is dying. He got... <laughs> there was
3: a meme about, like... that. Uh... That's the picture.
4: Poverty man has to rescue middle class man. It's a <laughs> stunning
3: turnaround. Let me tell you. Won't be a dry eye in the house.
0: <laughs> middle class <laughs> man steps on his head. <laughs> there was a
3: meme about uh like uh the movie that uh was popular when you were born Is supposed to do so I-, I predict something i don't know so my kid uh my youngest looks up um what movie was number one when they were born which was hancock and they go i don't want to say the name of this movie because i think it's something wrong
0: <laughs> guess what movie was number one when i was born forrest gump know was it really oh, uh, yeah. and, and there you go. my mom had already picked out, my mom had already picked out the name and like a few weeks before she like had me uh she was sitting in a movie theater and i think she was she was telling the story more cinematically than i think it happened she was like and then i realized that you know i might i might be having you in the movie theater with forrest gump and i was like that didn't happen like that's not why idea. should
4: I change his name he's the one who sucks
0: yeah <laughs> uh,
6: oh, by the way God mine I is didn't... close
4: encounters of the third kind not mm. bad
6: I have no idea what mine is I'd have to guess it was goonies' because it had just come out like that that, that there's, month. Some, there's some
0: there's something that's like there's a uh I'm glad it didn't get or chunk. whatever That's like you can find out what movie was number one <laughs> the... <laughs>
4: yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, Name your kid after the movie that was number one when they were born. Your kid's name's Gremlin.
4: All right, I got an idea for a picture. So it's a website that tells you what movies were popular on the day you were born. <laughs> the movie!
6: Oh, no, it's horrible. <laughs> it's so bad. Why? I oh,
5: know.
4: It's is it? Police Tell
6: Academy 2.
5: <laughs>
6: <laughs> I mean, that's police not great. It's Police
4: Academy 2. It, it does. There are worse police academies, though. So, I, yes.
0: I named my kid Goonies.
4: Police Academy 2 is pretty good.
3: Uh in the right. Realm of Yeah.
4: You know this is pretty good as Reservoir Dogs. I won't get back to that no,
6: Sorry, sorry.
4: <laughs> no, that's I i I, I
6: looked into that. the Mouth of Madness oh, and it said Gutenberg. Mouth, uh,
0: Mouth of Madness is the is the worst uh, Marvel Marvel. Gutenberg
3: all. should totally be in a Tarantino film.
4: I thought you were gonna say in a remake of In the Mouth of Madness instead of Sam Neil. But no, so you're
6: putting Gutenberg in a Tarantino film? Which one? Yes. <laughs> all um, of them. He plays all. Greenlit. Of
4: he's in all of them now. We love the goot. The goot's great. The goot is, is loose. Pink.
3: He's Mr. White. He's Mr. Orange. He's all of the colors of the rainbow.
0: By the way, every time I hear Mr. White now, I think instantly of Breaking Bad when he's it's like uh, yeah. Said so it a lot of
4: people in Letterbox one-liners. Yeah, None of like, them were picked.
0: <laughs> they're like <laughs> we 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 got to we got to cook Mr. White. He's like, yeah. Jesse, I, I, I have to steal these diamonds.
4: There was at least dozen, a dozen quote-unquote reviews that basically said exactly that.
1: And I was like, <laughs> that is not a review. That's a reference to something different.
0: Just like Tarantino loves.
1: <laughs> I, I never really was trying to sell Reservoir Dogs because at some point I would finally been able to sell True Romance for like, you know, the lowest amount of money they could legally pay me. But, uh, uh, but I could have actually made Reservoir Dogs in 16 millimeter with $30,000. So I kind of could make my movie. So I didn't have to fuck it up. I didn't have to compromise in any way. I mean, if you want to give me a million dollars to make my movie, well, then all great, but it's got to be the same movie because I can make this for $30,000 on 16. And you not be in a warehouse, it'll be in a garage, but that'll all be good, all right? Um, and we'll start Harvey Ketel, all right? But, you know, it'll all be good. I'll be a filmmaker. I'm not a filmmaker now. Harvey Ketel is the one that kind of like gave me and Lawrence legitimacy. And how it happened, it was, you know, it's like, you know, if, if Harvey... Henda said yes to the movie and wanted to do it. I think we would have eventually got it made. But it would have been like the normal route of like taking a long time. But Harvey has always been one of my favorite actors in the world and like literally in a in a in a wish list, all right, of like whoever I could have be Mr. White, Harvey could tell was always like number one on the list. So we were trying to get it to him, even though we had yeah, no Mr. legitimacy, White. no money, no nothing. Okay, just a script. Orange Spender was going to an acting class and just anyone out there. This is kind of how how it can work, all right. And the, you know, it's like for as many things that can go bad, you know, things can go good. You know, uh, just like that line in True Romance. You know, some, you know, and things bad ha- bad things happen. Well, that's the way it goes. But it's don't forget, movie. it Amazing. can go the other way too. It's, pendulum swings both ways. It might not seem like it sometimes, but it eventually it will. And this is a guy talking pretty much through most of my 20s, had nothing Had nothing but bad luck at all. I used to, my joke used to be <laughs> from 19 to 28, all right, was uh, 27 or something like that was, uh, you know, if you wanted to send a letter to me, you could write it, Quentin Tarantino on the outskirts of the film industry. <laughs> if you'd have sent it there, I'd have got it because that's right where I was. All right, uh, that's where I lived. Lawrence Bender... Was going studied at this one. Was going to this one acting class, and his teacher was married to an actress named Lily Parker, who is a, was a member of the actor Studio in New York, who knew Harvey Lawrence. Got it to his acting teacher in Los Angeles. His teacher read it and liked it, then sent it to New York to his wife, Lily Parker who I don't know, Lawrence doesn't know. He knew her husband. Lily Parker read it and liked it and gave it to Harvey Gattel. So we're really liking Lily. Three days later, Harvey Gattel called up Lawrence Bender and we got on the phone with him and he goes, yes, well, Quentin, I would love to do this movie. I think it's fantastic. And uh, uh, the script is, it's it's, it's quite amazing. Uh, and the dialogue and no, oh, just, Wonderful writer. So, uh, uh, but I, I want to be involved in it. I would like to be one of the producers out there to help you get in, you're the boss, but you know, I wanna, I think I can, we can maybe help you get it made, you know? At that time, Harvey could tell saying he's gonna be the star of your movie. It's not like all of a sudden doors flew open or anything like that, <laughs> but he gave us legitimacy. We had no legitimacy. We were just a couple of guys out there trying to get a movie made like millions of other guys in Hollywood. The reality is Richard Gladstein, at Live, who is really the guy that put me in the position to make a movie. Now, Richard had, had the meeting with Lawrence and with uh, Monty, not yet with me. So I was like the last guy for him to meet. So he was so gung-ho, and I'd heard he was so gung-ho, so it was kind of all mine to screw up almost, all right? And I had done a movie called uh, My Best Friend's Birthday that it was never finished, and I just had like a little clips of it and i'd had bad experience showing it and everything you know so literally he was like she goes so you've done a movie before well i never finished it and he goes can i see some footage from it um no <laughs> and he is the reason you know that waiting for that one yes that will make you a director when you have absolutely nothing to show for all right he was the one that said yes all right he wouldn't have even read the script if harvey hadn't been attached he just always been a fan of Harvey's and like, Oh, it could be really cool to make a movie with Harvey I could tell, yes, I think I'll take that home tonight, as opposed to letting his reader read it, which he probably would have passed on it. All right. And he read it and loved it. And then that was the beginning of my life. Basically, part two which is
4: crazy. And it's funny, speaking of true romance, I'm glad that Quentin mentioned that because I love that there's a True romance reference that he just couldn't help sneaking in that Harvey Keitel's yeah. character used to work with Alabama, and it, and it's such a throwaway line. But if you know the movie, it's like, oh wait a second.
0: Yeah, this, Rick this is the first boom boom. watching it. This time was the first time I read like I that I made that connection in my mind, but he's like, which has, uh, of course, Ron Pertee
4: hanging in the chat that uh, did that episode
0: with us whenever the hell we did that a long time ago. I don't know. A while. It's kind (laughs) of, it's fascinating though, because he's uh, created such a network of like characters now, right. right? That are all, someone's related to somebody else. Like all, all of his movies are really in the same universe. The craziest
3: one is that uh, uh, Mr. White's brother was played by Quentin Tarantino in Pulp Fiction oh oh uh Which bonnie is... uh
4: bonnie's husband right yeah bonnie the nurse who like is referenced in in uh in reservoir dogs yeah yeah like mm. we'll get Bo- mike we'll get my you know we'll get bonnie to fix it up or something it's like a real throwaway line but oh mm. wow okay that's yeah and, and put it, it together people
3: it's <laughs> just the, you know the weirdest thing is like like when, when harvey Keitel is the wolf shows up and, and he's just like hey you look kind of like my brother hey yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs>
3: uh yeah well so it's notable too yeah
4: that so Quentin tarantino worked at um this circle of video archives that uh there's actually a, a really interesting story behind it but short story is that roger avery and Quentin tarantino have a podcast called video archives uh that is produced by uh gala avery's daughter who is fantastic and i keep trying to talk into being on this show but it's really interesting because it's basically an extension of like, the kind of conversations they had in this video store which is just like uh, you know really going over the fine tooth comb and all this like genre fare and like lesser known films and things along those lines
0: 37 uh,
4: but here's the notable thing Here's the notable thing about it is that it's no longer there, but it was rebuilt in his basement. Like they rebuilt the entire store. And so they do the store, they do this 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 show in a in a reenactment of the <laughs> video store that he used to work at that still has all the videotapes. And it's <laughs> that's
5: great.
4: Uh, it's it is an interesting show. Most of the stuff they cover, I'm like, I've never heard of this. I don't know if I want to hear about this, mm-hmm. but it's an interesting show because uh, Quentin and Roger Avery, they uh, who's a, a director of his own, uh, renowned as well, mm-hmm. not on the same level. No, uh, are just very he's excited. Stuff <laughs> yeah, his, his stuff is good. They're he's, they're just very excited about what they're talking about. So it's can it can be interesting because you're basically listening to incredibly intelligent and enthusiastic movie fans talk about like movies that you may or may not have ever heard of. Like and when they say not, maybe haven't heard of. We've covered some of them, right? Like so like we do the same thing, but just aren't famous directors.
5: <laughs> yeah.
4: Ah, there you go. The, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: There, there the...
4: yeah. So that's the rebuilt video store. They rebuilt it Man, with so all real. the videos, but then that's, yeah. Then they actually have pictures from like the original video store as well. But it's, yeah,
0: that's kind of back to the of, New Yorkers video club. That's their, uh, yeah, <laughs> it,
4: it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, it seems like I'm going to say a like Michelle Gondry <laughs> setup or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, but did I, you guys ever play. have?
6: Uh, did you guys ever have a local video store like that for you? Hell
4: yeah! Yeah, there was yeah. three of them. Uh, one One of which I would just constantly run into uh, Bay Area lumina- rock and roll luminaries because we all went to the same video store. Apparently, uh, the other one was run by one of the ba- rock luminaries, a drummer for Jawbreaker, had a really great video store in San Francisco.
3: Check uh, out was- that episode of Protonic Reversal. Yeah, I just
4: just I would just sit around and uh, BS with him for like literal hours, and then there was this like super hole in the wall video store that pretty much only carried stuff that they liked. Um, But (laughs) that meant that I got exposed to like Orosky and like The Hitcher and like all of this like stuff that was even oblique even for me as someone that was already a film nerd Mm -hmm. that really kind of like helped shape my. Uh, which, again, is easy to do now, everyone has to have a letterbox to count, oh, this person looks interesting, yeah. what are they suggesting? But, like, back in the day, you had to go to a place,
6: right? Back in the day, <laughs> these were that kind of, because you could yeah. go to a Blockbuster, you could go to a Hollywood video, but if you had one of these, you kind of had a person telling you what you would miss yeah. and paying the $35 to get this French video yeah. on VHS for you to watch. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and I like it would be
4: like, oh, you like David Lynch? Oh, have you, uh, have you checked out? Like, have, have you seen you, the be...
6: Disney movie where he drives a tractor? Right, exactly. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> no. Like,
4: have those personal recommendations that all these algorithms try and fail to do?
0: Oh, you uh, like David Lynch? Have you seen the video where he uh, puts God panties God in damn. his mouth? Yeah, there it is. There it is.
6: There it <laughs> is. There uh, it is. For me, there was I didn't really have one like that until I got to college. I had Pleasant Street Video in Northampton, yeah. and I remember when it closed, which sucked. Yeah. Um, Andy was that. What about
3: you? Um, you know, honestly, I never really had a place. Uh, I always had friends that would just show up with a video. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, <laughs> you know, dead alive, what's that? And, I got uh, this video you
4: have to see, world. It's going to blow your mind.
3: Yeah, no, just constantly uh, people would just hand me video cassettes and make me watch them. And that's how it's I saw... got Wolf like, Warrior 2. Clockwork <laughs> Orange. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, somebody handed yeah. me a video cassette. Uh, oh, there's, there's some other, uh, like a Naked Lunch. Um, oh yeah, so, yeah you know like like uh, uh, gunman with Christopher Lambert or Christophe Lambert if you're French. <laughs> if you're French,
6: if you're not, it's just Lambert.
3: it's, it's Christopher Lambert Lambert's
4: fine. It's fine. <laughs> um but, uh, yeah so, there's, so there's a mean, great Christopher uh, Lambert uh, subplot in Call My Agent that is shows that the guy actually does have a sense of humor about himself and that's oh all he's, I'll say about he's, that. he's great. <laughs> it's, it's very very good show too. if you're into watching French subtitles. Uh yeah so there's a lot of love I think for the Sherpa right like the the the, the videotape sherpa that's going to like take you along your journey but I think it's notable to understand Quentin Tarantino that he was one of those guys he was absolutely one of those guys he was the one like you know pulling out the lone wolf and cub movies and hand them over mm-hmm. to, like, you know, someone like a young Andy mm-hmm. world and things like yeah. that. And so that's where all that enthusiasm is coming from that it's coming. And, from like And his very uh,
0: referential style, right. Where he's, uh, he's just kind of sitting around watching movies all day at work and like, you know, hanging out in the video store. So when he like grabs something from uh Hong Kong cinema that like maybe yeah. um, a lot of people haven't seen, or when he grabs something from, uh, you know, the big combo as like that torture scene and like uh, envisions that kind of take into what it could have been if there was wasn't like a haze code uh if the, if the code training, didn't stop
4: literally right? yeah. stop them from doing it yeah exactly yeah. and
0: like so grabbing but, all these but
4: then but um, then with that if i may yeah if i may but then also combining it with a Steelers wheel song which is like yeah what
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> but like, like- so, but that—that's why it's yeah. sort of like you know the, the the good artists borrow, great artists steal. That's like why like like that. I think that absolutely holds true. And especially like, look, I saw Lady Snowblood. It's good. Kill Bill's a million times better. I'm sorry. I don't want to be a jerk, but it's 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 a more nuanced movie. And it's like does. But there is like, oh, clearly Quentin Tarantino likes this as well. And there's like certain shots. It's like, oh yeah, it's like an homage to that, or like a it's like a love letter to it almost, right?
6: Yeah. Well, That's why I kind of think about like decoupage art or art that is made. Like even found object art, sure. like it can be composed of something that once was something else and then become its own finished piece. Yeah,
3: well, yeah. or even well, like uh, remixing, like like with uh, what the Beastie Boys did with um, uh, what was that boutique uh, something boutique, Pulse boutique, Pulse boutique, Pulse boutique, Pulse boutique yeah. yeah. You know, like like taking sampling to another whole other level.
4: Mm-hmm. Sure, and that and that's very Whereas opposed to uh, when someone like is just doing like a remake of something like flat out and not. Yeah, and and like p say, Diddy, no. <laughs> right. I'm just gonna take this police song and rap over it, okay, yeah, <laughs> well, uh, that's you're just rapping over a police song though, you know that you know that right, but a bunch of people are not gonna care. so uh, but I think that it, it's it, I mean, it, it's worthwhile and it's notable because it's like, well, he's a magpie, right? He's a cultural magpie, like absolute like cinema um obsessive. So by nature of so there's a certain question of of, of by combinations of your influences. Uh, is something new created well if you're if you're a great artist yes absolutely but if you but if you're <laughs> oh boy i gotta be careful what i say here uh there, there's bands that i could call out that hypothetical, artists. <laughs> hypothetical mm-hmm. artists that um they may think that's what they're doing but i beg to yeah, differ that's all p. i'm going say We're just gonna... <laughs> up next week p diddy
0: <laughs> he's like uh when i decided to rap over that police song i was trying to <laughs> metaphorically hint that i was working with the police um but uh no I, I, i'm the mr orange of this uh rap song i i think but, that um tarantino the thing that he's able to do is also uh you know he's able to create these um uh, like homage uh scenes where as he's gotten to be a more mature director i think he's kind of Ditch doing that, right? Like, yeah. I, like, I don't think you can see, like, uh, you know, Inglorious Bastards, or like, I don't think you could see, uh, I mean, Django, Unchained he would have to try own, to
4: do it at this point because he yeah. has developed his own very verbose style that has, as we've mentioned, been ripped off many
0: times.
6: Before. Yeah, and, and those... mean,
0: Django, Django Unchained, I guess, is, is interesting because it's it's very much, uh, trying to be one of those spaghetti western yeah, style, Yeah, trying to fit uh, into that know, style. Exploitation. And, so, like, and, he, he does it now with, I guess, entire styles, but, um, it's kind of fascinating that he's able to then uh, say to people, "Oh, well, check out this movie." Like he's still able to do the video store employee thing and saying, "Well, I got the idea from you know this," and he's very mm-hmm. open about that. Like he's not like uh, mm-hmm. you know he's not ripping something off and then uh, denying that he ever did that, right? That's like he, he's he's on camera and doing like DVD commentaries and telling people, "Oh, yeah. well, watch this. I got inspired by this and watch mm-hmm. that." And like mm-hmm. so he's able to give people lists of movies um, that he was inspired by personally too.
6: And a lot of the stuff that he's been doing has been almost like the period pieces. So it's hard to have more of that referential cultural thing when it's like, it's Nazi Germany, it's the American South. You you kind of have that limit, but it still feels like his punchy dialogue. So it is an interesting way to grow.
4: Absolutely. And, you know, he's got a knack for finding actors and actresses that are just fantastic at what they do, but aren't household names yet. Like look at Christoph mm-hmm. Waltz, perfect example. Mm-hmm. Speaking of bastards, like, oh God, what a freaking it's, talent that guy is. Yeah. Right. It's amazing. It's, such a, it's also such
0: a big, uh, swing, swinging hit, I guess, but it could have been such a mess that, that he decided to kill off Hitler at the end of that movie. Right. Like, Oh, sure. Sure. Like, yeah. It's like, I, I could just change time and I could just have these characters kill Hitler. And it's like, it's all right, well, like but, but it's it's just like, also
4: oh I was just gonna say real quick, like and also bringing back folks that you haven't seen for all. Pam Greer, Jackie yeah, Brown.
0: Great, right? yeah. Pam Greer gets talked about in Reservoir Dogs. Uh they're talking in the car about how they're mixing up Pam Greer and uh a different actress or whatever, and they're using her as like a comparison um when they're talking about like what you know, this this one girl that this like that they knew. Kind of uh racy dialogue in that scene, but um yeah, like it's kind of fascinating and yeah. invoked. Like Pam Grier is one of the uh, cultural touchstones, and like. and then he
4: got to when he got to the point later on, like he like literally brought her in as a star of one of the films, which is yeah.
3: great. Yeah. I mean, and that's almost, awesome. And Robert like, Forster, like who was also kind of like David Carradine, Carradine too uh, in uh, Kill Bill. I mean, yeah. well, anyway, I would say
6: to be in a Tarantino film now, <clears throat> or yeah. even in the last five years, is kind of like to be asked to be in a Woody Allen film, say in the seventies, eighties, sure. where like. Yeah. People famously work for scale for Woody Allen because yeah. you know it's going to be a good film and you know you're going to get exposure and I think that's how he makes these reaches which is what's so impressive about Reservoir Dogs is that it comes out of the gate <clears throat> although I did True Romance that was just a written not a directed. This is his first directed and he gets an all-star cast. So yeah. it's it's impressive because now you know why but then it's like why?
4: Yeah, who's this guy? How do he get out of this? <clears> this <throat> guy round these people. Mm-hmm. And but- again... Get, you me? get the oh, I was just to say real quick, like you know Harvey Cattell, such a great role, but you get like someone like a Steve Buscemi, like our host over there, uh, and and Michael Madsen, they're like on the upswing, where where it's like oh no, they're which arguably mm-hmm. I think Michael Madsen kind of peaked with this, but anyway, that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. Uh, Andy, where we gonna
3: go with? No, I, I was uh, basically kind of go go along the same thing. It's like like they were you know rising stars, not uh, not established stars. Uh, but but I mean he did establish the whole like bringing people back with John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Uh, that is Andy. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best possible example, mm-hmm. right? Because that yeah. that guy's career okay. was nowhere. I've seen Look Who's Talking Three. I mean
6: he was <laughs> in the what, the Angel movie. Uh, oh God, Michael. Michael. <laughs> been Michael? Trying to forget it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's an interesting fact about Wes Anderson because again I can't help but feel like Tarantino and Wes Anderson. I guess because they came into my my mind at the same time they do remind me of each other, even though they're vastly different.
4: So I will say this, Wes Anderson also has a rich benefactor that basically allows him to just do whatever the hell he wants. And that might explain explain some of the absolute cultural myopia he has towards class issues.
6: Well, you know what, I'm also... Which is almost
4: as bad as Sophia Coppola, peace, peace and
6: love. I'm also available to have a rich benefactor yeah, if say- bad about social classes. Yeah, yeah, you want to get
4: educated? The KT is um, available once the strike's over. Yes, yeah,
6: so I can have a literal Patreon where I- <laughs> you will be my Patreon.
4: Yeah, yeah. You only have- it's only one member, but they give a million dollars a month, so... Just,
6: yeah. Hey,
3: it works for Jimmy Dore.
6: Hey!
0: <laughs> no, that guy died.
3: Uh, yeah, I know. Now it doesn't
0: work for him anymore. <laughs> he died yeah. on
3: the way back
4: to his home planet. Uh, can we talk about, um, by the way, Edward Bunker is his name, um, who is the, like, when you think of the cast, right? Like, it's always like, oh, yeah, that guy. I forgot that he was in this. And he only has, like, a couple lines. Mr. But Blue. his, yeah, Mr. Blue. That guy is so interesting. Like he's a not only like an author of crime fiction and a screenwriter. He's also a convicted felon. Like so he wrote all these like uh book, like he wrote the if you ever saw Straight Time, he uh, he wrote the script and um acted always seen in Gay uh, Time, Straight Time. Uh, Runaway Train, uh, not the Soul Asylum song, but the <laughs> but the 1985 like the one in the snow with John Voight and Eric Roberts and all that. Oh yeah. Um so it's a <clears> minor <throat> role for him but this is just a guy that like he, before he started writing this crime fiction, he was literally a criminal. So so you have this guy that's like, so first of all, you got him, right? And then you got...
0: You uh, um, don't Journey. want to read crime fiction from a guy that's never committed a crime. <laughs> right,
4: exactly. It's
6: this be is kind of like uh, Danny Trejo.
4: It's a similar situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you have, of course, you know, have Lawrence Tierney, who's just like god-tier level, like, you know, 1950s, 1960s gangster dude. Uh, that's just like, you know, still doing it and kind of, it's a pretty, it's pretty impressive the casting where it's like, well, you he probably could have gotten a name. Maybe he couldn't have at this point, but like the fact that he chose, that's who he chose to be in there. That just shows you like the care and attention towards like what he wanted to have on the screen.
6: Yeah. How did you get that guy? It's all, another good question. Like, yeah, uh, I don't know. how did you know that guy?
4: <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Did you
6: know
4: his acting teacher? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who knows? I mean, that's a, it's a really good question. Cause There's he probably,
3: all- Oh God. Oh, it's it's usually all all who you know i mean like like Mm -hmm. like you know somebody who knows somebody and and it's just like like that's how i got on this show
0: (laughs) 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 um no but like uh the the other the other kind of character that's like a that guy kind of thing is is the randy brooks uh you know the cop that's like detective Haldway, i guess is his name and i kind of find it fascinating the attention to detail where he's literally dressed up in the beginning like a maoist kind of you know what i mean like a oh
4: yeah you're like you like what's this guy's deal what's his yeah deal? and it's and it's like oh it's this guy this guy's a cop but he's yeah like, he's-, well, he's like
0: a detective he's like a detective slash uh acting coach <laughs> yeah like, so like- it's it's
4: it's sort of like you're left to wonder like well is he under like is he like doing a co-intel pro kind of situation is he yeah like, <laughs> like I, but I but i feel like you know
0: in especially like in la right like at that time like any kind of radical action that was happening um by, you know, by the point of the 90s, especially, but, like, earlier than that, too, like, you know, like, 90% of the people that are involved in any kind of radical group at that point are just, like, feds, right? Like, so just the attention to detail of, like, creating a guy to be in one of those black power movements uh, as (laughs) a... exactly (laughs) it was was,
4: who was like just like this incidental character that's basically there to like uh you know move tim rothlong in the again hearkening back to the soliloquy and like him like practicing this story and then Mm -hmm. having the increased consequences and stakes building of seeing him actually telling the story but practicing at the same time and then within the framework of the story have that be filmed as well which is just like again a lot of filmmakers try to rip that off but they never rip off like the cool stuff like that (laughs) it's just the gunplay usually it's like the gunplay and a couple quips and then they call it a day you know it's
0: also kind of fascinating that there's so many um like so so few characters in this movie that even like the small background characters are like characters that appear in like you know one scene like the yeah or something like they stick out so much more because this is not really a film with a big cast like it has the you know the six main guys nice guy Eddie and uh you know fucking the Yeah, Joe. Yeah. Uh, like, she could have just called this movie "Waiting for Joe." I feel like would have been a funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even Quentin
4: Tarantino <laughs> himself, who will go ahead and say doesn't have, people are usually not excited to see him acting and stuff. Like, it's who's basically there a delivery system for that one. Take. Yeah. Like, he's he's basically cannon fodder in this movie too, right? And but it's like that's where he was at. Is he probably wanted to? Uh, he probably wanted to act in. I mean, it seems like he enjoys it. Even people don't like seeing a minute, but. <laughs> I think like the
0: character
3: is essential. Yeah, you give him a, you give him a small part where he can, he can just shine, like, like for, for that one moment. Yeah. And because, and, because, like, uh, four rooms. Um, he he does almost the same thing in four rooms where he just says this this long cut of him staring into the camera describing an episode of the Twilight Zone. Uh, That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know that was wrong. his I've dick of that. the uh, a few years later.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the dick, I, dick of that year.
6: I it really, I really like felt organic.
0: I really like From Dust Till Dawn, but like I feel like you get too much of a dose of uh, Tarantino as like an actor in in that movie. Like
4: Roger Ebert said uh, of his review of Reservoir Dogs, that Tarantino himself is also interesting as an actor. He could play great crazy villains, is what Roger Ebert said, and I, yes. I think that's pretty astute because he's got that Combs kind of like natural comic book injury. Even when in Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. you know they have to call the wolf. Uh, who basically just tells them clean everything up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, which is amazing. It's but like his character of just being like the friend with the house and is like just annoyed. It's like he's almost a little too extra in that role. So it's almost like oh yeah, it, having a more like almost like a cartoonish. Villain well, he didn't
0: or he didn't get to run. say the n word in this movie, so he was waiting <laughs> until his second <laughs> movie to drop that. You know, yeah,
4: we, we all yes, I mean, well,
6: I mean, so Agre-
0: agreed,
4: but also can you blame the guy? All right,
6: interesting, Thanks. interesting question. <laughs> about that like so the only thing that doesn't totally hit well the, the older this movie gets is perhaps the the use of the n-word yeah, how I do you
0: mean, i think it's uh,
6: somebody also said like what if uh, samuel L. jackson had had one of the roles in this film would that would that maybe well, a that, by
0: the way, yeah and he is a
6: tarantino uh you know choice he works well
0: and he's the one that's he's the one that's uh had to come out every time people get mad at Tarantino for using the N-word too much. Yeah, he's yeah. the guy that comes out that has to be like, Motherfucker, I yeah. you know, he's not mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that Tarantino's uh mm-hmm. career in some ways has more than made up for it, you know, like making Django Unchained. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. think any other actor mm-hmm. could have possibly made that movie. I think mm-hmm. with this, I mean it's not like it's not like people are saying this in an aspirational context, right? Like every single person in this is like yeah, it's not it like here yeah. are cool
4: dudes doing cool dude <laughs> stuff and go emulate
3: <clears> them.
0: That is not yeah. that no. is not
4: meant to be the case, you know. No. Like, it's like no. hard case.
3: He cites Elmore Leonard who who usually uses racism uh to denote a villain. Yeah. Like like the, if you if you read enough of his books, like that's it's always like a telltale sign of who the bad guy is because they're all you know criminals. But, but yeah. who who the actual like antagonists are going to be? There's the one using the N word over there.
6: I think the problem though then is that Tarantino is so incredibly quotable, and the chats they're talking yes. about the scene from True Romance, which is
5: we
4: all know the just one.
6: groundbreakingly compelling scene. But the quotability becomes difficult uh, due yeah. to the context, and and so you know it's it's not without note.
0: I I mean I I just quote oh.
6: Hey.
4: Hey. hey. And then, then it's okay suddenly. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> just um, yeah. Right over
6: it.
4: It is a bummer but if you think about like the realism of like what how mm-hmm. these guys interact with each other that mm-hmm. of course they'd be flying around, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, but it's also like I but I also get not wanting to see it, you know? Like certain things mm-hmm. I don't I don't like seeing rape depicted at all ever. Like, it bums me the fuck out, and it takes mm-hmm. me out of the film immediately. Some people can't take it if a kid dies, especially if they're parents, right? Oh, my
6: God. If you kill you a know. dog or a cat or a puppy, just just don't. I can't. I got to leave.
0: Yeah. yeah, my I, I watched uh, Rear Window, the entirety of it, for the first time since, like, I was oh, nice. a kid and I watched it. Well, I watched it before I rope episode the night before. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, uh, and and the the scene where they have like the dead dog or whatever. Like I was watching it with my mom and Audrey, but Audrey was sleeping. So she didn't get to see the She didn't see it. You know, but, uh, okay. but my Let's mom go, was okay. like, my mom had like tears what in her eyes. She was, yeah. It's like. It's hard. A, yeah.
4: Yeah, and that's also and film should challenge, right? Because there's a perspective mm-hmm. that film should only entertain. There's and there's the idea mm-hmm. that art should challenge, <coughs> and mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know, in some ways, *Reservoir Dogs* is deeply entertaining, but it is somewhat challenging as well because, mm-hmm. arguably, there there is no protagonist. I mean, I suppose Tim Roth is, is the protagonist in a lot of ways, but like, no, it's more mm-hmm. like the problem is that there's a study in contrast. And one thing I really like is the depiction of like adult male friendship. This happens between Harvey Keitel and Tim Roth, which is <laughs> yep. so crazy, where it's like, this is the, the gangster that he's trying to, like, get, you know, get implicated in this crime, you can- and, and the titular reservoir dog, a.k.a. rat, that's working with them, and they have an honest-to-goodness friendship that has stakes.
0: I, I, I like that yeah. I like that it's pretty clear uh, throughout this that Tarantino doesn't think any uh better of the cops that are like you know running in. Yeah, oh Like, no. like yeah, every yeah. every cop in this is either cannon fodder or just a guy stuffing his face with a bear claw. Like yeah, and you know, hey, what's I it like? Call. Are you
4: killing the real people? No, just cops, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: like, like amazing. There's no, there's no love for uh <laughs> there's no love for cops, you know, in this yeah. movie whatsoever. <laughs> I feel like maybe the movie that has the most love for cops that he's made is like true romance, like the dad right? It's like a, there's like security a, guard. Well, he's a security guard. Well, and guy. again, he
4: only wrote that. So yeah. yeah. And that's also early on, but like, no, I I'm, I'm you, just
0: saying like, I, in general, I think, but even, even in that, right? Like there, there's the cops run in just at the same time as the mob. So it's like, yeah, I mob, mean, you can
3: make an argument op, for everybody. Jackie Brown.
0: Yeah.
6: yeah. Oh, but yeah, I think Coda, what you're saying about the, the relationship between the two men, that's often what's missing in like ripoff, Reservoir yes. Dogs things is they didn't hit they didn't notice that this is actually at the core a compelling uh like male friendship film
4: It's 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 something that I think I picked up more on now than I picked up at the time
6: It's you know? it's yeah. a bit I, like I Heat like the, you know
4: Yeah that's a good example yeah
6: And, and
3: some some of those people forward, that, that like were the standouts from that genre like like uh I, I would say like Guy Ritchie does do male yeah. friendship pretty well but like that's the old, but but like I, I don't think he achieves the levels of uh, Tarantino even in that.
4: Um, well yeah, she, he's he's I I'm just, again, yeah.
3: Guy Ritchie's one of the better Yes, <laughs> Tarantino juniors,
4: for sure. <laughs> and he would despise being characterized as that, but I'm sorry. If the uh if if, if the cut scenes and the snappy dialogue fits, you know. Uh, wear it. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing because he's one of the better ones of those. And there's definitely people whose names we shall not speak that I'm like. And yeah, he, does he does have
3: his own style, too, that, that he's uh, developed into. So, like, that you he's.
4: Know, again, that's right. That's, he got that. He got
3: that. Yeah. By the way, another Madonna connection.
0: Yes. There's a. Uh... It, a lot of times I feel like a lot of movies about male friendships uh, like throw a woman into it as like, a, you know, either uh, to make it tense or mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Hold friendship together or to cause some kind of thing. And obviously that's, you know, uh, a lot of times more of a one dimensional character, too, because it's kind mm-hmm. of just moving the plot along to do that. Yeah. But like I, I do appreciate that this isn't like Tarantino didn't force any kind like any female characters to be in this. Right. Like
6: 100 percent
0: like because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked and the guys are talking about you know plugging people and fucking well i
3: mean the waitress really wanted to get her tip (laughs) i mean this is a a
4: quintessential dudes rock movie to be explicitly clear you know and it's
6: still enjoyable even (laughs) as a woman you can still totally sit in here and enjoy the the bonding enjoy like exactly like heat this this conflict between caring for the individual and still being a cop um, and understanding that this guy is doing his job, but also wanting to be his friend, like
4: I, you don't I, want him to be discovered because it's gonna ruin their friendship. While yeah. they are literally, well, one of them the whole time is dying, and, the, and later on, the, the other one's dying too. Well, spoiler
0: I, alert. By the way, I, I think <laughs> I think I appreciate uh, you know deciding not to have any female characters more than I would having like a one-dimensional female 100%. character. Hundred percent. Yeah
6: hundred like, percent. Yes, I absolutely yeah. prefer that. It makes the film more to the point, and it doesn't belittle anybody. I,
3: I, I yes. Did much you see the uh, cut scene with the the actual woman with the speaking role had? no Um. She. Uh. The the one of the reasons why it got cut is because whoever was playing her, um. She she like stumbled over the lines. She she like says the lines in the wrong parts and and mm-hmm. uh just just like was struggling with the Tarantino dialogue. Women, um, am I right? Uh, which is which is very sad that, that uh, you know, but also the whole scene was superfluous because either we, you're just, taping our
6: feet or we can't be in your movie. Yeah, <laughs> she, she,
3: but all she was doing was just giving exposition and that we don't really need because we kind of get that in other parts of the film.
0: So, so like, I'm a woman woman yeah. perspective so like, that
6: makes sense to cut that scene <laughs> out you're right yeah. yeah no i mean it makes yeah. perfect
3: sense if you actually watch it and like i said like like the performance is a good i uh, you know and, and I, it could just it's be unnecessary like, though yeah like it's, it's it, and like this is like
4: i think a 99 minute runtime. Like, and people complain about
3: tarantino you know we've got this woman over here no. it's
4: well,
6: it, perfect well, runtime in my opinion and, and yeah and yeah, that, a woman yes, a woman is the, was, like
0: tim roth yeah. getting shot right like it is a woman that shoots tim roth in the car right they, they, they could and uh, that's yeah. why i didn't give her any lines though well, but it, it works. I think yeah. that works because uh, you know, she gets like shot these, guys are, these guys like don't assume that some like white lady in a car is going to have a gun. Well, she that should have like, said "suck
3: on this motherfucker" and, and then shoot her.
0: No, but it makes it makes it it makes it uh, like you know, like that. Neither of them think that like oh, this woman's mm-hmm. gonna have a gun in her glove box. Exactly. Like or she
3: could say the other one. Point. Really <laughs> point. All right, all
0: right. And on. she, although, she pulls the would gun you guys? And that's like it's 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 interesting right like it's interesting that yeah. they're being so careful yeah it's the,
4: so right so there's yeah. this crazy shootout you know Michael Madsen's character is just lighting the place up we never see it but we hear about it so Which is the whole
0: fucking way to I, I don't think today a director would uh be no. able to yeah
4: you hear about it in such detail that it's almost as if you you envision it in your mind's eye so much that it feels like you saw it but you didn't <laughs> well, I see
3: did.
4: it in, in in a different film Oh, my fucking God. Can I get to the fucking point or are you going to interrupt me seven more times? Okay. Uh, yeah. So what I'm saying and is in that. that other
6: like, film that you saw.
5: <laughs> what I'm
4: saying is that, like, between that and the cops and all the other gunplay, how ironic it is that it's a civilian that kills, that, like, shoots and, you know, eventually ultimately yeah. kills, like, the undercover cop. But that's I think that that's, like, key to the story because his first reaction is to shoot back without thinking about what he's doing and he shoots and kills her and like yeah. that's that's crazy like that it's like and, and it's is, this fraught moment that's like maybe 10 seconds of screen time maybe and you know? he's
0: freaking out about that still when he's in the car and he's like she she had a baby she she yeah. had a
6: baby and, 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 and i shot her and his like, voice is insane in that scene it is. He's, he's he's going it is. full
0: ham and we're here for it's, it
6: it's good but he's I, going,
0: I, yeah he's going full uh australian kermit the frog
6: Well, and but also it it challenges his entire.
4: (laughs) It challenges his entire identity of what he's trying to do.
6: Yeah, and and it almost reveals that he's a cop because like he can't do that was the threshold.
0: Yeah, although I. And and I, and I like that in these moments of crisis throughout this movie, right, like, you learn so much about the characters, like, Steve Buscemi is obviously like a chore to have any conversation with in the beginning. He's a professional the, for yeah, us, he wouldn't know anything well, about it. With, with the tipping, but it's interesting that he's automatically the one that tries to be like the peacemaker after, yeah, you know, after it's right, fistfight yeah. or whatever, he's like, come on guys, like, sounds like he has nothing to do he's with the, middle child. the ongoing tension. Um, but like one of, one of, of which is the exchange
4: between be, uh, um, Michael Madsen be, and Harvey, Harvey Keitel, right? Like that exchange, like the yeah. you, you know, you're gonna bark all day, little dog you're gonna bite. And then like when it de-escalates, you have the thing where they sort of like talk about it and be like, Oh yeah, you know, Big Lee Marvin fan. Oh yeah, me too. You know, like like and that's a great moment because it would be most of the of the imitators would just do that and be like tough guys saying tough guy stuff, right? And then yeah. like yeah. And that was where it ended. But you get the meta contextual commentary. Of, first of all, Lee Marvin was not a household name at this time, right? But like, mm-hmm. I, it, it's so key to understanding, like, oh, yeah, these are like tough guy gangsters, but they're also kind of to a certain degree pretending to be tough at the same they're time. They're
0: influenced by their environment, as we all <laughs> yes. are. So that's, that's, and, and see, well, Bashemi's well,
4: just like, calm down, fellas. We need to get this together.
0: I was going. Further with this, uh yes, go ahead, sorry. The, the entire scene where um Tim Roth is shot in the back of the car and there's blood. So yeah. much fucking blood everywhere throughout that entire thing, right? And he's uh trying to take care of him. And I, I love the exchange between them um when he's like bleeding out and he's like you're not gonna die are you a doctor it's like something that my family would say to me if i was like are you a doctor something my family would say well if you're not a doctor then i guess you don't have any expertise yeah right and like (laughs) it's it's such a a a tip like a a typified thing i think for a certain kind of uh older older person in your family or something like that that's like that's trying to maintain like kind of a tough facade while also like clearly being like a very Mm -hmm. uh Somebody well, and he even he even yeah. goes
4: sing songy with it. You're gonna say it now. Say it. Yeah. You're gonna be okay. Like
0: like it's yes. it's, 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 okay. it's it's you're okay. You're okay. Come on, let's like he does the yeah yeah. The, 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 it's a wild know.
4: scene, and it's, and it's and it's and it's great performances in a moving car. By the way, by both
0: those guys. Because <laughs> we
4: don't
6: have time to build another kind of guy. No, no. I there's no time
4: to, or money uh, for that.
6: <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys to take a small tangent with me. In that, so it seems like we keep talking about these these uh, like themes of masculinity, and and it's an all male cast, and and there is often the desire to want to take an older movie with an all male cast and do it again with a female cast. Do you think that this they age, made
4: Reservoir Dogs woke? Sorry,
6: yeah, do you think <laughs> it's called Reservoir so Cats now. Could shift into a narrative reservoir, that had this interesting sort of for women, and if so, maybe some casting huh. choices.
4: Huh. Okay. Okay. That's an interesting thought experiment.
6: I mean, obviously um, it couldn't be exactly the same, but there are similar themes that you could find between female bonding, female friendships, what it means, you know. They did it with Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. many Ocean's films.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that Um, well, I just like that Jennifer Kula just having a renaissance. So let's, let's throw her in there because I 100%. was 100%. Awesome. Uh, Put her in the Steve uh,
6: Buscemi role. Exactly.
4: Absolutely, uh, Margo Martindale is always great too. She's
6: you cannot miss with Margo.
4: She's she's pretty freaking. Tough. I mean, I think Catherine Hahn has proven she's got the chops, right? Uh
6: huh. Uh huh. These are great choices that I would never have thought of.
0: Wait a second. I could. Know. I mean, I think Frances McDormand. Uh... We're gonna meet
6: visible dogs, <laughs> but we're gonna
4: cut visible broads. It's gonna be amazing.
0: I, death I could see francis mcdormand being the like uh, oh god harvey yeah, yeah harvey yeah. Keitel mm-hmm. character yeah. like mm-hmm. now that she's a little bit older right like i could because sure. i mean she she it's not a great movie but like three billboards outside of every missouri right like she's has yeah. that kind of uh you know that that kind of instinctual mother energy while also being like intrinsically badass i could see her being the harvey Keitel character i
6: yeah. want to throw meryl streep in as the mr orange
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Or Definitely. or Meryl Streep as like Joe. Like Meryl Streep could be the one behind the desk. That's sure. Like...
3: Sure. And Margot yeah. Robbie as uh, as uh, Mr. Orange.
0: Meryl Streep as Joe. And then uh, Lisa Kudrow as uh, as the nice guy, Eddie. <laughs> 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 like, a, like a younger version of her. I could see her playing uh, Meryl Streep's kid, like kind of fail kid.
4: Oh man, yeah. It's an interesting yeah. thought experiment. I, I, I but it's, it Thank you for be...
6: taking that tangent with me. No,
4: no. I mean, it's it's like look, I'll, I'll fan cast all day long twice on Tuesdays, uh, but but I think that <laughs> Jed, Jed, Uncle Ron saying uh, Jennifer Lawrence yeah. is kind of Tarantino's character. <laughs> yeah, I'd buy that.
0: Sure.
6: sure. Why not? Dick, Dick, Brown.
0: Dick, Dick, Dick. dick. <laughs> yeah,
6: leave the leave the dialogue exactly the same, just like they did with uh, <laughs> Alien. Just right. change it and yeah, Scorny Weaver as well.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Gordon Weaver would be fantastic at it. Yeah, that's that's a she has a lot of because that's the thing, of course. Actresses cease to exist when they reach a certain age,
6: and and then they become invisible.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'd love to hear Meryl Streep, uh, with a little address book going, Mr. Wong, Mr. Wong, right? Like, like (laughs) Lisa Cho, something like you know what I mean, and then, yeah, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs)
6: <laughs> so, someone asks in the chat what what would the diner story be be in an all-female re- reboot and i feel like it would have to be maybe about jason momoa
4: i was gonna say george michael but that, that works too oh out.
6: yeah someone <laughs> somewhat objectified but sticking with theme i guess
0: yeah, yeah you'd yeah. be uh you could, you could have it be about uh prince or something like a prince song or something like mm-hmm. that i feel like mm-hmm. from the same time or um or they could they could be talking about when uh when when fucking um you know, you know the fucking thing where uh, Lenny Kravitz's dick flew out like flew out of that fucking show? I could see them talking about Lenny Kravitz's like slong falling out of the show and like it works. Yeah.
4: Write it up, get it get it to what, Uncle Alligator. What what's the uh, <laughs> I'm gonna want this list on my desk by Monday morning, kids. <laughs> uh, well who's the I cannot remember her name, the Australian actress, he's in Death Proof, uh, the former stuntwoman. Oh, I mean, Zoe oh, Bell. That's, yeah, Zoe she's Bell. She's Zoe
3: Bell. She would be, I mean,
4: that's yeah. fan, right? It's gotta be.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's uh, great. Uh, have you ever seen uh, that movie she did that was uh based on a uh uh story that was gonna be a comic book, but they turned it into a movie instead. Um uh where she gets stabbed in the brain and all of a sudden develops a conscious. And no. oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird movie. And they got uh, uh Lucy no. Lawless is in it and um <laughs>
0: She was in that oh. she was in that one scene in uh, Hateful Eight where she pulls up with her carriage or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. She's that's the good, one that's that a brings role. She's yeah. the one that brings uh, you know, the the people to fucking sneak in and, and yeah.
3: Yeah, she had that uh, eye patch in um uh That other Quentin Tarantino movie.
4: Yep. <laughs> so, anyway, uh about well, I guess we got to probably get letterboxd one-liners. Wow, soon. she was
0: she was a stunt coordinator in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, I believe it. I mean,
4: yeah, yeah it makes sense. The same people. You oh, I have skills.
0: I have one more clip I wanted to watch. It's the uh, it's the last couple minutes of the okay. rehearsal, and then so. we can do letterbox, letterbox one-liners. Exactly. <laughs> My favorite bit of the show.
5: <laughs>
2: uh, don't shoot up the place and kill everybody. You know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to act like a fucking professional. A psychopath is not a professional. Mm-hmm. You can't deal with a psychopath. You can't work with a psychopath because you don't know what the crazy motherfucker is going to do next. I don't even think they can work with someone. The black girl? What, 20? 20, 21? Jesus Christ, man! Hey, did you see what happened to anybody else? Nah, once everything went to shit, me and Orange hopped in the car, Brown, Florida, and I don't know that. Oh, at that point, it was man for himself, you know? I mean, I ain't got the foggiest what happened to Mr. Blonde and Mr. Blue, you know? Because once I get out, I know the back. Well, what do you think? do well, I think. I mean, I think they either got caught or they got killed. Not even a chance they punched through I and mean, you found out. Yeah, and let me tell you, that was a fucking miracle, you know? And even if they did, then where the fuck are they? What makes you so fucking positive? I got the blinds. You want to come back with that little piece of information again, buddy boy? I got the diamonds, alright? Where? I got them. Where? Where are they in your fucking car? Are they up your ass? Where the fuck are they? No, they're not in my car. No, I don't have them on me. Look, if you want to call me and go get them, yes, we can do that. First, you got to fucking listen to what I'm saying to you, alright? We were set up, okay? Somebody's in league with the cops. We got a Judas in our midst. I think we should have our fucking heads examined to stay in here. Well, the plan was that we meet here after the but robbery. Fuck the plan! I mean, you know where is everybody? I say the plan is null and void once we find out we got a rat in the house. You know, I mean, for all we know, blonde and blue could be dead. Uh, maybe the cops got them out of the station house. Yeah, I mean, they don't know our names, but they could be singing about this place right as we speak. As the as the if cops are like, coming here. As
0: Jesus as fucking
2: Christ! Damn
3: it! I swear, I am fucking jinxed. What? <laughs> hey, man, what's the matter? <laughs> We talking I have about? to take a shit. Come on, guys.
4: It's getting so intense. Two jobs back, a four-man job.
2: Two days before we were gonna about to pull it. We found out one of the
1: team was an undercover cop. Oh
2: no shit! You see? I mean, thank fucking God we found out in time. I just had to fucking forget. Just, just walk away. Just walk away from the whole fucking thing. Well, who do you think the rat is this time, huh? I mean, Brown, Blue, Eddie. I mean, it could even be Joe, you know I mean? He set this whole show up. Maybe he set it up to set it up.
1: Hey, hold on, buddy boy. Me and Joe go back a long way. I can
2: tell you straight up, Joe had nothing to do with this bullshit. Hey, look, look. I've known Joe since I was a kid, okay? And me to say he definitely didn't do it is ridiculous. All right? I mean, I know I definitely didn't do it, because I know what I did or didn't do. But I cannot definitely say that about anybody else, because I don't definitely know. I mean, for all I know, is you're the rat. (laughs) For all I know, you're the rat. Yeah, all right. Now you're using your fucking head. For all we know he's the rat. Well, he ain't the rat because he threw the bullet for me. A rat wouldn't do that. Hey look, I'm asshole, man. I'm right, okay? Somebody's a fucking rat. What's my fucking piece? What's in the
4: bathroom? <laughs> That's awesome.
0: I think they just called me a rat. <laughs> they right at me and said, for all we know, he's the rat. I'm not, I'm not the rat.
4: Uh Again, yeah. Imagine if you were just using the bathroom and you're like, what is happening? Yeah, you're, so you're, <laughs> what is you're like, you're like
0: pooping, and you just hear like, you just hear like, he's the rat, and you're like, oh, I, I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy just left a piece in the bathroom. Better wrap it up. In
6: all fairness, I do not think that his performance is that bad in that rehearsal for whoever was ranking on Tarantino. That's, that's I've seen directors stand in for lines way worse than that. I'd and like to see whoever the commenters were. Like,
0: doing it acting of their own you know what i mean like yeah. damn
3: straight it, it shows you the flexibility of quentin tarantino's uh, written word that that uh he can give a very different performance <laughs> than, than uh, harvey keitel um and uh <laughs> um, <laughs> sir this is
4: a cracker barrel restroom
0: <laughs> i also i also uh I I appreciate that like this is way before DVDs and stuff, but like they still had the forethought to like uh film their their rehearsals, right? Like,
3: yeah, I think they they released it too. Like, you can actually uh, see the whole movie like this.
4: The, the whole thing, really. I thought, I remember You're, seeing some of it. This This so film long. is
6: the only reason I still have my TV TV with the built in VHS player because I still have oh, my nice. VHS copy of this and. I need to be able to still play Recorded
0: it. it off I got I had a from from the DVD uh, whatever. And I, I, I had, have it in SLP
4: mode with six other films.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so I have the Reservoir Dogs DVD somewhere. And uh, in order, like one of the features that it came with or whatever, it was like the mm-hmm. special edition. So it came mm-hmm. with like a Reservoir Dogs poster. And I would have that poster up in every fucking uh, apartment that I've had. that Me too! And, like, I had a big-ass uh, dead man, like Jim Jarmusch poster. And a good one. And I was, like, as as people walk in, like, you know, like bringing girls over or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, have, no, know, nothing, like Nothing gets
4: I'm, you in the mood like having guns pointed at you by a poster. Yeah, well, it's it the guy that
0: pointed at you. Yeah, I, I know the exact – I had but, it too. Yeah. I know the one. you're talking but I, about it. But I, but I feel like, uh, you know – Girls, girls walking in there, and like the first thing they like is like, "Oh no, you're gonna get a mansplained film too." Like, don't like this. Is well, I was gonna say it's like, a good yeah. test of if, if they <laughs> yeah.
4: if they're like, "Oh, I love that movie," then like you know, hey, it's a keeper. Yeah.
6: Actually, the right. Reservoir Dogs poster that I have for some reason is this weird obscure one with a like film review from nobody at the bottom of it. It's Just like some random ass person's review is also printed on the poster. <laughs> it was the only one I could get at the like fucking Hollywood video. <laughs>
0: My my favorite uh, thing that somebody reacted to the fucking Dead Man poster was uh, I was tripping with somebody one time and they thought that Johnny Depp was following them with his eyes. Oh man, that sounds. <laughs>
6: I got I got broken up with and then left in a room to watch Dead Man. Mm. That was like my second breakup in life. That that movie is weird for me. <laughs> uh, I,
3: I could have gotten in high school a uh, six foot tall, five foot Don't wide close up of Iggy Pop's face,
6: and you didn't.
3: I couldn't put it in the car to bring home.
6: You no, put wow. it on the
3: roof rack. We, 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 uh, uh, I was working at an auction. <laughs> you rent a
0: van for it, kid. <laughs>
3: you walk home. Yeah, here's you uh, you Here, uh, Iggy uh, Pop
0: that on the roof rack. Right. I,
3: I was I was uh, working at an auction house, and we were basically clearing out <laughs> the junk of this mansion that got foreclosed mm. on. Mm. And uh, that was one of the things that was going to get thrown out. And I'm just like, who does not want a giant picture of uh, Iggy Pop? Oh, It'd be behind saddened. me right now if I if I had it. Complete with bisexual lighting shining on. It'd be great.
6: <laughs> speaking, of, missed.
4: speaking of random reviews, uh, why don't we uh, drop in some Letterboxd one-liners here, people? How about that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that so, thank you. Yeah. I do my best. It's hard sometimes. Uh, Letterboxd, of course, is a place for film lovers to congregate and talk out to each other about the films they love, maybe the films that they didn't love, the films that they... Certainly ship certain characters on, let's put it that way, uh, <laughs> as well as make Breaking Bad references on. And sometimes white. Yeah, the same white. Uh, This is, of course, best expressed succinctly. Um, there are no Siskels and Eberts uh, uh, that are just giving their take. It's everybody. Bottom-up democracy. And these are the Letterboxd One-Liners for Reservoir Dogs. Let's go. Going to teach my kids colors by showing them Reservoir Dogs.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I so
0: out on doing that. Traumatized ass kid. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm.
4: Tim Roth can make talking yourself in the mirror and a concerning Fantastic Four obsession seem
3: cool as fuck. <laughs> the
0: yes. Yeah, Tim Roth
6: can pretty much make anything yeah, cool. That's Jack Kirby
3: silver surfer. Jack Kirby Silver Surfer in the movie. But you know
6: what?
4: He kind of does look like the thing. If you stop and think about it, it looks like Ben Grimm at least. You know? I mean, hey. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Tarantino really wanted the most fuck spoken in a movie <laughs> record.
0: Well, I think, I think he, he cleared it with Pulp Fiction. I'm pretty sure. Probably. But at the time, let the
4: record show, dot, dot, dot.
0: I, I think this movie did too, if I'm not mistaken. But I think Pulp Fiction like blew the record out of the water. That was a thing for a while. There was like, a, there was like the fucks counter. There was yeah. like a website that counts how many fucks are in each movie.
4: And then Deadwood changed the game. It looked like a GTA mission.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yo, there's a... somebody Someone made it as like a GTA uh, thing where it's like... They, they made really fucked up versions of the characters. Oh, really? <laughs> they look I mean, them. <laughs>
4: arguably, much like you know Scarface and and, uh, like uh, other traditional like New York gangster movies it actually was like one of the inspirations for things like that if you think about the type of uh, interaction like you know uh, Steve Buscemi like dashing down the street and the cops like hauling ass after him then he like throws the woman out of the car and jumps in you know
0: by Just the way, to... there's that, so the the movie with the most fucks is that SwearNet, the movie thing. I feel like that, I feel you like you look at, Did you
4: look up which movie has the most fucks? Did you I, yeah, I did to too. See, I wanted I did to see too. where,
0: I wanted to see where okay. on the list yeah. this movie comes in. <laughs> he wanted Resident to know which
3: movie fucks. <laughs> it was
6: pretty, yeah, but it's, I only, it's not I only, nearly uh, as
0: many. I only watch movies on the list of films that frequently use the most fucks. Uh, Wikipedia. Those are, that's the, I, right. I pulled up the independent. Wikipedia?
6: Fairness. In all fairness, I pulled up the independent article.
4: So <laughs> All right, let the record show. I,
3: I believe uh four hundred and twenty-one uh fucks are used in this movie. What's, I what have four hundred and eighteen <laughs> according
6: to the article. I all right, so
0: it article. uses it, it's uh it's thirty eighth and it uses uh hold on. It uses 38th? fuck. Yeah, it's thirty eighth. And so it uses it uses fuck um two hundred and sixty nine times. Wow. And then uh, right underneath it is Pulp Fiction. So Ooh. Pulp Fiction actually says it less, I guess. Yeah,
3: okay. Well, four sixty nine. 269 is well, nice. Accidentally learned something on this show.
0: <laughs> uh, I have, oh, I'll Wolf. never let that happen again. Oh, Yo, on, let me tell you. Somehow, I'm trying somehow, to cut down. Somehow the Big Lebowski is number 31.
4: Really? Okay.
0: Yeah.
6: Fuck. I have Wolf of Wall Street as having 715 as number one. Wow. Uncut okay. Gems is a close second.
0: I believe. It. See, they see this one. This one counts. Swearing at the movie and fuck documentary. I don't think those should count, but uh, mm. yeah. We'll write cut, a strongly worded. I feel like it wasn't even in the the script. It was just Adam Sandler kept saying fuck, and they just yeah, kept yeah. it in there. Like...
5: Probably.
0: <laughs> anyway, mm. fuck.
4: Never listen to "Stuck in the Middle with You" the same sense. Yeah, I, I, or ever That's again. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It's- can't not think of uh, Michael Madison's weird little locomotion dance, you know? I mean, there <laughs> right
0: really is like a, a problem with, I mean, and, and like even the US government had to recognize this at one point, like uh, torture doesn't work, right? Like there's no, the only, the only reason to torture somebody is for the, like uh, the kind of uh, fucked up kick you get for it or to put words in their mouth and like, you know, you can frame somebody that way, I guess. But like, um <laughs> You know for like a terrorist attack or something like that but like torture doesn't so for the for for that scene right like the only kind of person that actually uh cares enough to do torture once you realize that which nice guy eddie says it like they'll say anything once they get tortured so once that comes like once that time comes it's just like oh he's torturing him for the fun of it right like torture Mm -hmm. isn't going to get him any information you're not going to find out who the fuck set them up through torture the only thing that you can find out through torture you know like you can just torture somebody so like one, once that's acknowledged in this movie which i appreciate that they do acknowledge uh it, it's just kind of sets you up for such a psychotic moment because they're all excited to torture him when they think they can get information out of it but the second you know the second they realize hey you actually don't get information if you torture somebody then it becomes like this is the you know the sport of psychotic people
3: when did yeah. that star trek episode come out with uh there are four lights
6: oh god yeah oh, Jesus. i mean Later that's how series. you get
3: information out of somebody yeah uh, although also- that was
6: a crazy sentence for us because at the beginning of that you said that the u.s government had to recognize and i thought it was going to be that they had to recognize something about this film
5: Same. <laughs> like they had
6: to believe that this was a good representation of a heist film and train the cia was, oh
0: you know donald trump mr white
4: <laughs> it's yeah. uh it would be remiss of me as host of Patronic Reversal to not mention that the Beverly Crusher's album, Sick Bay, uh, the last song on is called Four Lights. Thank of course you. it is.
6: Man, they've got it covered.
4: They they really do. It's quite
5: good.
4: <laughs> a movie about the power and consequences of bromance. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's funny but accurate.
0: Yeah. You shouldn't go into a bromance lately, and I think – mr white's problem is that he went into a bromance a little too lately he gave up his fucking name he like you know what i mean like in in a context where like he there was no pushback to it it's not like oh man i just gave up my name he gave way too much information about himself and fucking uh tim ross character like already is kind of in a bromance with him because he's talking to the other cop Haldaway or whatever and he's like oh this guy's pretty nice i don't think we should go after him but like everybody else like there's that exchange and he's like that like he's a fucking scumbag dude like (laughs) <laughs>
4: well also as as firmly established canonically he's a he's a nice midwest gentleman so yeah, there you go he's from milwaukee too accommodating from, from milwaukee exactly imagine having the audacity to try talking your way of tipping a single dollar when you're literally about to leave to steal some diamonds yeah. <laughs> well they haven't stolen the diamonds yet
6: exactly
4: that's in the future and,
6: <laughs> and it's a moral down- code it's not about the money
0: Yo, the, the Mr. Pink character is every fucking annoying libertarian guy on like a Reddit forum. Like, oh God, yeah. well they all watch like... this
3: movie and goes,
0: That's
4: that's who I am. Yeah, talk about learning all the wrong lessons, am I right? Yeah. Finally. But I like, am seen. No, because
0: because it's just like uh well it's not my fault that the government doesn't pay them uh mm-hmm. you know enough money. What? You want like this is the world's smallest violin playing for them, and it's just like this guy would not be on this fucking mission today. He would be in a Reddit forum just arguing with people. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he and, he and would I mean, never actually get out of the that that house. Uh, yeah. That, that, that waitress's pay has not been raised since 1991. Um, so, so the federal minimum wage for tipped uh, person is still like $2.15, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous.
0: Ugh. Well, the whole reason that tipping even exists has to do with, you know, black people would get those jobs and in the South. They didn't want to uh, have the minimum wage count for black employees, really. Like, you know what I mean? And like lower, lower class black employees. So, like, they yeah, made Yeah, all on the, uh, the train tickets. cars. Yeah. So, yeah, the tips are literally like a, a form of Jim Crow. Mm. Listen, kid, I got a tip. Make a good picture. You never
4: have to worry about tips again in a day in your life. <laughs> What if we kiss in an abandoned warehouse after our jewelry heist went bust and I tenderly held you in my arms and combed your hair as you slowly bled to death from an agonizing gut shot that was kind of my fault and we were both boys.
6: It is a broke back mountain of its time.
0: It's, uh, I gotta say though, they're both gonna die. He could have gone without telling uh, Mr. White that he was the cop. No, like, he, he you gotta speak just, your truth. You could have just let him have this one. I'm like, Yeah, yeah. he could
3: have just said I love you too, man.
0: I love the ah, ah, like, he's, like, he's he's just amping up and you're like does does he have the strength left in him to strangle the fucking yeah. rat before know. he goes? Like, <laughs> you know, By I the way, that's out.
4: uh Mia Vicino from letterbox I rarely post letterboxed uh crew on there, but I thought that one was especially good. So-
0: yeah, that was <laughs> very lovely what if we kissed in the abandoned warehouse
4: <laughs> exactly <laughs> mr. orange is terrible horrible no good
6: he
0: gets for being a fucking cop dude there you go. <laughs> one there thing you about know. me conan i don't like fucking cops <laughs> <Exactly>.
4: <laughs> tag yourself i'm steve shimmy calling himself a professional every five minutes come on guys
0: we're supposed to be a bunch of professionals (laughs) he really (laughs) does makes it makes it even funnier though when you uh look back to like the scene earlier where he's like oh this is like the the z tier uh you know because they have a bunch of people out doing different jobs at once and like this is this is like some like uh fucking resin style bottom job that they've kind of carved out of stuff that brings them down in the end right like Mm -hmm. so it's kind of funny to think like you guys are not really the perfect like if you were yeah, I, a professional, uh, you'd be up on like a yeah.
4: If you're really well, professional, you're probably not announcing every five minutes. Too. You'd be you're Mr. Just, Black yeah. if
0: you were a professional, yeah. when
3: grandstanding, yeah. not tipping. Yeah, <laughs> you, or or you're you're basically like the team to to see if maybe you got it what it takes. You know, Uncle Alligator's got to see if you got the chops to to make it to, to the to the beats, here. Yeah.
4: Listen, kid, if you're gonna make it in this business, sometimes <laughs> you gotta ride with some turkeys. That's all I gotta say about it.
0: Well, they're kind of they're kind of uh almost like not hazing but like putting um the the vic vic vega character through the fucking ringer too because he just got out of jail and they're like well yeah. you got to kind of work your way back into like doing the high level job so we'll mm-hmm. make you do this job you know what i mean like <laughs>
6: yeah <laughs> all right. So- He's nope. got to have a little heat on him, so you kind of don't want to put somebody like that in charge of something big because the cops will be watching him. He's just They're watching. Bad. Yeah,
4: well, the Pink, uh, cops are
0: watching, watching this one,
6: too. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Those are the one liners for Reservoir Dogs. Please follow the show. That's Mr. Pink over there at Movie Night Extra. logging all the stuff that we show on this show. I am Mr. White at Conan Neutron. Watch out the highbrow. White. Sp- <laughs> Mr. White.
0: Uh, Conan Neutron, it- bitch. <laughs>
4: I am. Watch all the highbrow stuff, the uh, midbrow populist fair. Uh, follow down to the Criterion Challenge. I'm done to the last three of it. Oh no. Not man. only am I going to complete it this year, I want to be done early. Unless wow, I really congrats! Blow it. So, uh but I'm all over that biz. So uh, hit me up on there. I feel so inclined. Yeah, take uh,
0: the J- white Conan Neutron music. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Jay
4: Andrew, Mr. Brown, world is your intrepid graphic designer. Uh, he's intrepid in his watching of all the weirdest stuff. So you don't have to, maybe. So you can, not for me to judge. I tell you, I tell you, folks. I tell you, I'm gonna tell you, people. Uh, and of course, uh, KT down there uh, has a has a low key letterbox account. Mr. Orange, you got to keep it low key when, um, when when you're a Fed. When you're a <laughs> Fed, exactly. <laughs> you want to put it on main, right? Uh, and you can follow her along as well. And uh, they uh,
0: they send KT in there to fucking. <laughs> Uh, infiltrate movie podcast they like, right. they're like yeah. m- make sure make sure these guys you know like the you wouldn't steal a car thing they're like make sure that they're not uh you know they're not pirating new movies you know what i mean so how exactly. much cocaine
6: do we break out in the after party <laughs> right exactly
4: can you can you get it on record and on stream thank you yeah
6: could you just tilt the camera to the scale so I can see it? Yeah 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 absolutely
4: uh
3: Jay Andrew World Mr Brown please take it away with the plugs why don't you all right, you're watching us on YouTube, so please do those YouTube things. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell, and of course, the big ask uh, to help us in the algorithm. Watch this video to the end. You help us out. We get to play a great song for you. I think I messed that up somehow, but I saved it, and i probably proud billy's of
4: billys Super Sounds of the yeah, 70s Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say,
0: is, is, this what, is this what you're trying to say? k Billy, Super Sound of the 70s weekend just keeps on a comment with this little ditty that reached up to 21 in May of 2022. This is Kona Neutron with the Movie Night Extravaganza theme song.
3: <laughs> yeah, I had a bit. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But uh, also, if you're over on uh, the Twitch, um, do the Twitch things. Throw us a sub. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, uh, you can all, subscribe. All wanna, to all that, that was as good,
6: good
4: as the pronunciation of The Bohemoth. That uh, Stephen Wright does for the K. Billy, the Amazon Priome Priome, What is it with <laughs> Monster, Priom. Monster, Priom. Monster Prion.
0: Travaganza?
4: Yeah, exactly. Go get it, whatever it is. Go, <laughs> no, actually, go find it. You can. can. We, we dare you. Out. <laughs> we challenge you to find the thing that Andy is talking about.
6: It took a long time for me to find it. <laughs> That's luck. it's in there though. It's in there if you look for it.
4: It's not. It's. I, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. Mm-mm.
0: By the way, shout out to the one person that's uh, on Twitch that's watching us that's made it through this entire you know, oh, thing. Okay. We, we thank you.
3: But but if we you do have, to have an Amazon Prime account, you can actually help us out <laughs> by subscribing. doesn't cost you a penny. helps us out gratefully, uh, gratefully, greatly. Uh, but we're very thankful. There is that, gratefulness that to it. Doing You're that. not
4: wrong about that. Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah. Uh, what is this thing doing? Uh, we're on social media. You can find us on. Uh... Yeah. Are we? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're on blue sky. Right. We're, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, Force is not on Twitter, uh, but we're on Facebook and uh, uh, Instagram. Yeah. We, yeah uh, but, we, but you we can find us all, all over the on it, but... Um But, uh, you know, if that's, if any of those are your, your chosen uh, social media sites of, of choice, um, you know, find us, follow us, uh talk to us we'll 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 answer we're not afraid to do that <laughs>
4: there you go it's quite the pitch yes <laughs> um if you if there, you, there you want go. to actually Christina's the up. sole twitch viewer. <laughs> 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 you might not be far off
5: that's great though i love it
4: <laughs> it might be true i don't know everyone Could else is on youtube
3: um, oh i know yeah, we have a Patreon if you want to help us out some more. Um, so, so go over there. You can get access to things like our after parties, which uh, I don't know. Did we even talk about after parties today? We were. Th- I thought we were doing a different movie until like noon. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, I was really on a, on a bike ride uh, five miles from my house when I got the news and then turned around and biked the five, Like, well, I think it was like six miles. Biked the six miles back from the next town over.
4: Listen, kid all I know is I gotta cast the thousands and they're looking for a picture a big one you <laughs> gotta make a count
3: but I think I think, I think we' so somehow cool. amazingly pulled everything out to, in time and yeah. uh yes it's Especially just like our a guns, guns, as, we,
4: as we shot each other simultaneously
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just proud of this hey Billy super sound of the 70s weekend just keeps on a coming with this little ditty that reached up to 21 in May of 2022 this is Kona Neutron with the movie night extravaganza theme song
5: I love it
4: I'm just proud of that <laughs> hey, I love it
6: yeah he packages that together after biking back 10 miles Bam. That's, that's...
4: look if you, if, you, if you're if you're looking for a show that can do it all in a,
3: apparently in short order yeah yeah I mean it. I I did a two mile walk to get the movie that we're supposed to talk about tonight well Woo-hoo! you're ready for when we do do it's just
6: one. extra ready it's gonna yeah. come it's just not tonight
3: no, kind no, say. By the way, shout out. Uh,
4: maybe I don't uh, don't mention enough, but uh, what a, what a great art for the show, in, again, almost no mm-hmm. time whatsoever. Um, this is some d- good stuff, Andy. So I, yeah, I worked
3: on it. it right up to the uh, to, to to the minute, you know, to, <laughs> to so before, before we came on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's people good that have like days
4: of presentation that would never be able to pull that off. So yeah. Good on you. Uh,
3: Yeah, no, I'm very happy how that came out. Um, I just knew I wanted a giant face of Tim Roth in there, and uh, built the composition around that idea.
0: I mean, you didn't have to do every single character. Like you've done, you did every single character. I didn't do the this whole game, tw- right? Like, yeah, I well, didn't.
3: I really wanted to draw. Uh, he's the, you know, he's, uh, the, he's the Ken of this nice movie. Nice guy Eddie's uh, tracksuit. Oh yeah. Sure,
0: sure. I'm who valid. wouldn't?
3: Like, yeah. I mean, that's like that's like the weird Barbie of this movie. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I, you know, uh, I kept it simple and uh, was able to kind of crank it out because I mean, it's all black suits; it's pretty easy. Um, It's not like that. That was Andy after he finished the art. It was. That's how he felt. I'm very proud of it. You know, I gotta say, and I and I really just love doing the black and white stuff. I hate doing the color. So, like, you know, trying to do color on a deadline is stressful for me. But I did it. Andy, Andy looks like this while he's doing it. But yeah, no, thank you. And I I greatly appreciate that. And I am super happy how it came out because I was worried it was going to be like one of my worst ones. Here's what Forrest looked
4: like after he figured out we were doing a different movie.
0: (laughs) 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 Yep. True. All right.
3: But uh, Conan, you have have a a show called Protonic Reversal? Sure do. Correct.
4: Ding, 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 ding. And I think you already
3: said who was uh, who was on this past I week. said it
4: was on last week, which is uh, Robert Cassis from Thousand One Album Complaints and the Beverly Crushers, who they have had two Star Trek references this episode, so I was able to throw out the fact that that's a Star Trek-themed band. Uh, I had John Baisley from Baroness on. Uh, that's going into the general feed tomorrow from last week. It's been patron-only. Uh, really good conversation. If you're remotely interested in that band, you should absolutely check that out. Uh, interesting cat. Uh, very, very, very cool. Uh, I have um mike from rid of me and fight amp coming up which are they're a great band they have a new record out it's awesome and then i got another thing i i think it's gonna be one more before tour but i can't say what it is yet so well we'll keep your eyes uh, peeled for that announcement so yeah you can if you follow exciting. the show on any social media or and or subscribe to it on your platform of choice then you'll have a better time finding it than trying to rely on my memory right now.
3: <laughs> yeah, and if you, if you want to get some uh tunes uh, to to be just like Also uh, there's a
4: Patreon. I have a Patreon as well yes, and yes. we've hemorrhaged a few uh a few subscribers the past couple months. So $1 a month uh you know bernie sandals bernie sandals why are they selling those are those available <laughs>
5: <laughs> they have yeah, be selling those. Bernie your bernie sandals, <laughs> sandals right here kids
0: <laughs> american bernie people sandals. are sick american, and tired the american people are sick and tired of having covered toes okay they need they need bernie sandals <laughs>
4: <laughs> we want to let our toes free and our freak flags fly
0: uh one dollar oh, I am, a month. Oh, I, am, oh, I am no longer asking for you to keep your <laughs> your toes on
4: Patreon.com slash Reversal uh gives you early access. You'd already have that Baroness episode if you uh, uh subscribe to that. But yeah, yeah. And then then of course the band, Codon Neutron Secret Friends, on tour uh in like two weeks. And we have this one which is Adult Prom, which is the new record. I'm just taking it over, Andy. Sorry, we're like, it's... it's yeah, go, go
3: for it. That's fine. Uh,
4: and then <laughs> there's the back cover. Uh, Vans, this is the tour dates. We're doing uh, Arizona, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento, Reno, Eugene, Portland, Seattle, and uh, Bellingham. And uh, the last two are Bellingham Magazine, and Rat City Recon, uh, us and Lung, who are fantastic. Uh, it's in support of that record. So if you're on the West Coast, come see us. If you're not, probably see you next year. Not going to lie. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com, pick that up. Everything's shipping immediately now. So, uh, in fact, anyone that came to our Louisville show on Saturday uh, was pleasantly surprised by the fact that we had vinyl and CDs there. So.
3: Nice. And, uh, of course, Christina's not here, but uh, if you can, stop She's her She's watching us Patreon. on Twitch, though, apparently. Yeah, stop <laughs> by her Patreon. Support her while you can, uh, you know, if you can. Uh, that'd be great. And um, Oh, thanks, Ron. It is a fantastic record. I agree. I'm. i
4: a little biased. <laughs> of course, I think it's great. i made it. <laughs> yeah.
3: And and that lung stuff's pretty good too.
4: Lung is one of my favorite bands going. So it's it's deeply thrilling to have them on. Oh, a video premiere
3: for um,
4: uh, a couple
3: videos coming up. Probably by next time. We'll see. Next show for this. show. All right. So 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 stay tuned for that.
0: And the of next course, next show is uh, Mahal Drive too. It's going to be. A... I'm
4: very excited. It's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be my last. My last one, on the show for a few weeks while I'm out touring the country. But obviously, the show will continue without me. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to pick one that I wanted to do for a long time. I'm shocked how little David Lynch we've done. So that was an easy pick. Nice. Shocked, I tell you.
0: Yeah, yeah we, be... we probably should redo our uh, <laughs> our Blue Velvet one. Any like too like at some point. I I just feel like the that was such a chaotic. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was something.
4: interesting. It was interesting. Um, yeah, yeah I with think... Anna Kasparian
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think
3: the Dune one we definitely need to redo. But but uh, the, the right. I'm the, about the to redo the plugs. Here? Can we can we can we move this yeah. along? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. KT, uh, you want to tell us about your your um, uh, how how people can watch uh, Girl in the Basement?
6: Anybody who wants to, with a computer and an internet connection and the ability to get to YouTube, they can do that. Um, girl in the basement uh fully out on youtube it's about a 32 minute long horror film it is a little bit uh body horror so if you're squeamish on that don't watch it but if you love it do tune in uh you can also catch me in uh and this was mentioned at the beginning the starwell foundation which is available anywhere where podcasts are available Uh, you can look up opinions may vary Starwell foundation last week's episode came out uh and i am in it you can you can finally hear me as gansfield uh, the telekinetic Russian, and then also uh, the head of the podcast inside the show. So you know, look that up. It's a real fun show. I'm surprised to hear more, me do voices.
0: More SAG actors and like uh, you know people that are uh, out of work right now because of the strike. Like I'm surprised more people haven't started doing kind of podcasts uh, like scripted podcast stuff.
4: Mm-hmm. I got yeah. I got it. I got to download it because I got a lot of driving coming up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna listen Dude. to it when we're when and there's uh, a
0: <laughs>
6: there's also a pilot season before this season if you want to listen to it. They're all short episodes, They're so like 20 minutes long, so it's nice and nice and juicy.
4: Listen, kid, I got two words for you: body horror.
6: Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is interesting that more actors aren't doing scripted podcasts. I mean, you've still got people doing the "How Did It Get Made?" which is a you know they they were the ones that started that fantastic eBay run uh of uh, things that you can uh bid on they're doing auctions of stuff that are gonna go help people who are, yeah. are still striking just well, all of the all of the late
0: night uh you know minus the ones that tried to come back and got uh got shut down hard by social media but those like, you who know, shall like not the, be named the, the <laughs> like, like cool. jimmy jimmy fallon like you know stephen colbert like john oliver like all the like mm-hmm. main ones are like doing right now uh podcast that's like they're talking about mm-hmm. late night stuff and then they're giving the money that they make on the podcast to mm-hmm. the strike fund, which is kind of yeah. um it's it's I, I feel like uh you know after they all tried to go live without writers during the two thousand seven mm-hmm. writer strike, I think it's a much more uh I mean, I haven't like listened to much of the podcast that they've done, but I think it's a cool idea that they're yeah. like, you know, like, we're not even going to try to <clears throat> come back as like a writer the show because you know, yeah. like that kind of undermines the point of the strike. So like, why not just, uh, you know, why not just come back as a podcast? Like I think it's kind of fascinating that, that this genre, I guess, or this format's being used that way. Yeah, it's like and, and- a radio drama, but it's,
4: you know, with again just like a podcast or like a radio broadcast without exactly. the radio. It's an old school radio drama without the radio. Yeah. Why not? And that's
6: that's exactly what Starwell is. Starwell yeah. is like an old school radio drama. John Oliver is also doing stand up and donating the proceeds to his his uh, you know staff. I saw him and Seth Myers on that stand up tour in New York last month nice. and it was superb.
0: That's awesome. Love that.
6: Mm-hmm. Way to
0: be. Like you went and saw them, like actually
6: yeah, I did. I went to the, oh. the Beacon Hill Beacon Theater and I got that like the second to last row tickets, uh, but I still, you know, it's stand up. You can hear yeah. it from anywhere. Uh, and I saw John Oliver and Seth Meyer did a co- combination stand up uh, just in New York for four days because they're doing separate tours and they kind of like. Just be thankful
4: wasn't Hasan Minhaj, right?
0: All those <laughs> all <laughs> uh man- hes like, I am, I am the, the Hollywood strike. Yeah, I was. You know, I, <laughs> I actually
4: started it. Yeah.
0: I got waterboarded by my writers one time, Um, (laughs) but uh, no, like I I kind of, uh, I mean, all those guys are so fucking rich, right? Like, uh, I mean, you'd hope that they give back to the people that are working like right underneath them. Yeah. But but, I mean, looking at like, you know, Bill Maher and fucking Drew Barrymore and like their rush to come back and like, uh, you know just be strike breakers pretty much. Um, like, yeah. you realize, like, it, it does mean a lot for, uh, you know, like, people in those positions of power to be like, we you know, we're going to do something different and not kind of uh, cross yes. the line. absolutely.
3: Yeah, I mean, get- get- Bill Maher has, has Club Random. Like, like, who cares? Like, yeah. I mean, well- it's a stupid show, and fuck that show. Because the stupid camera
0: angles
6: what,
4: what even is this show that Drew Barrymore has it's like a the
6: Drew this Barrymore is a daytime show. talk show yeah. she's had for a while basically like the Ellen show or anything else just right.
1: her on a show
0: right at her. one point he like she went viral because she had like Stanley Tucci uh, teaching her how to make pasta on a giant screen behind her and like people were like oh this is like a delightful version of a daytime show and then she kind of just destroyed all that goodwill by Bill Sorry, Maher would totally be a Mr. Pink. <laughs> I don't want to, Mr. Pink. Okay. I'm, that sounds like Mr. Pussy. And what are you saying about me?
3: New rule I'm now Mr. Purple. New rule, <laughs> no
0: tipping. And finally, new rule if you want me to tip, uh, you know, and you're not providing, you know, uh, top tier service, you can just not. Okay. <laughs> all right uh can there
4: possibly be any more plugs that that is that it I think so like finally new
0: rule if if there are more plugs (laughs) very didn't
4: after party at this point
6: uh
0: Uh, KT final thoughts
6: uh I guess my final thought would just be to ask you guys your your thought on the ending of the film do you believe that Mr. Pink dies Hmm. at the end or do you believe that he lives at the end?
0: I mean, I hope for. Oh, Mister Pink! I think Mister Pink probably is the only one that h- hightails it out of there because I'd, I'd like that to be the ending.
6: You'd like that to be the ending. <laughs> yeah. Listen to
3: the audio though. Like, if you if hit
6: it's... if you hit the subtitles on while you're watching the this the uh, the end of the film, discredit credit rolls. You can hear the two talk, the cops and Mister Pink talking. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure everyone does that. I'm not sure everyone stays for the credits. Yeah,
3: because you yeah, hear, yeah, like, yeah. car doesn't start, and... Uh... <laughs> I can't believe it either, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit it out. We'll just
6: bleep it out. Go, That's uh-huh.
4: the only plug that anyone pays attention to. It would <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's I, I have watched it with subtitles on. I did notice. I forget what it says. He gets exactly, got. Right,
6: I believe it's like it's, a Hamlet situation, where he gets yeah. shot as well. Yeah. I mean,
4: it, I think it makes sense that he would get killed. Like, I don't see a situation where that really wouldn't happen necessarily, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. It's kind of nice to think that maybe he wouldn't, but of, like, all the dudes, <laughs> it's like, uh, the most annoying one survived, huh? Yeah.
6: It's kind of, it's <laughs> interesting that you can, uh, you know, if you don't sit and stay for it, you can kind of get a different ending for this film.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh it's, I, I'm I, pretty much believe that everyone dies. But like I don't know, it, it it's not. I like the fact that it's not definitive though.
0: They're they're arresting uh, they But they're can I just say, they arrest Mr. Pink, and then he's like, I'm a professional, and they're like, a professional, you uh, say, and they like put the hang, take the yeah. Oh and well, well, say know. no more. i let you
4: go. <laughs> The usage of uh, the Harry Nelson version of a coconut at the, at the end of that, though, is another just marvelous example of like a mm-hmm. hilarious, like, upbeat song over like something, you yes. know, that is not what you would expect it to be.
6: Yeah. Wonderful juxtaposition.
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah.
0: If it if it wasn't Mr. and someone else had survived, uh, they would have just tried to flip them, I feel like. Yeah. He doesn't know shit about shit, though. So it's like right, it's you're kind of you're, you're out of luck, like. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he's pretty annoying. Let's because uh, I know Tarantino wanted to play Mr. Pink, and uh, uh, but but uh, Buscemi wanted to, that role, and uh, uh, he's just like, "Well, you got to nail the audition," and Buscemi nailed the audition, so he's like, "All right, you got the part."
4: Yeah, well, so I guess uh, Steve Buscemi. I, I'm sorry. So what's it? What is it actually?
6: Buscemi. <laughs> Buscemi.
4: Okay. He has his own theory, and apparently... Um, I don't believe
0: next... that. I'm sorry, I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe yeah. that it's Buscemi. I, I just... I that you are talking me. about his theory. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, yeah, well, I was gonna say, I didn't even get it out yet, but uh, Pulp Fiction, you know, he's a waiter. In, uh, in, uh, uh, it's Pulp yeah. Fiction, right, Where's the waiter? Yes. That, yeah. like, he says that like, his personal theory is that like Mr. Pink got away and is hiding now as a Buddy Holly and that it's like basically karmic justice that he probably gets tipped terribly, <laughs> 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 which I think is pretty clever.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be. I mean, uh, knowing Tarantino, I feel like Tarantino could have uh, even dreamed that up. You know, what and, I mean? and like, that's and inside
3: yeah. the inside the the case, those are the diamonds that they stole from the film.
4: Exactly. <laughs> so, it's all tied together.
3: It's all connected people, it's
0: but connected. uh, but yeah, Conan, uh, final thoughts,
4: uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just busy looking up uh, the Steve Mashimi's <laughs> fan fiction, uh, you know, look, this is a shockingly vibrant and nervy film that inspired an entire generation of hacky copycat nonsense, uh, you know, there's the guy with the YouTube thing that said it's a rip off of city on fire. I think it's missing the point. It's a, it's an homage. If anything, it's a, it's a steal, not a borrow. And Which he's
0: it, acknowledged too. It's like, you wouldn't acknowledge like if you, if you were stealing it, like you wouldn't, you know what I mean? Right. You'd be like, Oh, I've never seen that movie before.
4: Yeah. 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 And it's, I think it's, it's within the context and the characters and the genre defined dialogue that you get. Uh, like I, I mentioned that sort of playful and deeply informed love of cinema that a lot of time is for movies that people haven't heard of. And is, but as soon as filter in the lens, so the source material has changed, therefore being uh, in my perspective, fair use. So, I, I mean, I love those like uh, super quiet as much as we've talked about the music and stuff, the really quiet wide angle takes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do love those great, that great needle drop of the torture scene. Um, if, if, you you gonna, if you were going to, uh,
0: if you were going to point out a movie, I think that the plot of, this movie is taken way more from it's the killing way more than uh, City sure. on Fire. Which Absolutely. I don't. I I think that you know that's a movie that's also gotten remade a bunch of times, and I feel yeah. like it's full within license to be inspired by that movie, right? Like it's. I mean, it's not Kubrick's best, but it's like, you know, Kubrick's Yeah, but what master.
4: what if a crime went really wrong? But it's 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 yeah it's it's again, the only the only thing that they
0: take from. uh Uh, city on fire is the is the mexican standoff which honestly tarantino does way better because uh i mean and maybe this is like a hong kong cinema to american cinema kind of thing the the warehouse being like a much wider open space than like that tiny ass little room like it's almost comical in city on fire they're in like this tiny ass little fucking cubicle almost room and they're all pointing guns at each other and it's really like it's a really cramped scene so i i think that it's wildly different in that way. Like Tarantino's able to utilize the space in a way that one hundred percent is not utilized in sitting uh, on fire.
4: Yeah, and, and and again, there's so many little moments to it. you know, uh, again, knowing ever think of Steelers' wheel the same way uh, after seeing this. and it's uh, embodies uh, Stephen Wright is a laconic DJ. It embodies like a you know, the thing that should exist but hasn't been in a movie before. The asynchronous storytelling. Told through flashback, it, that's so often emulated now in action movies, and uh, you know that that's something else here as well. It isn't a perfect film, but uh, man, is it ever iconic! Uh, just as an independent film and mm-hmm. uh, in cinema in general,
0: it's it's close. To, I mean, it's close to perfect. It's, I think it's yeah.
4: it's.
3: Imagine I appreciate it more film, than when I first saw it. Now, your first so. film being this
4: good is just incredible. A st- yeah. As a directorial debut, it's like. Boy, that's hard to mess with.
0: Well, it's kind of crazy to have the first movie you've written be true romance that like gets made. Yeah. And then the first movie you directed right. be this. Um, the one thing that i will say uh that i think is really funny about this movie versus city on fire is um city on fire we talked about this when we did our episode on it they have to count all the bullets because they're in hong kong it's really hard to get bullets <laughs> right and then, whereas and in america able it's to, yeah like so this movie they're able to flex like oh we could have like these giant shootouts where everybody gets like a million bullets in uh city on fire a big plot point is like we have to wait for the shipments of bullets to come in so we can
3: yeah <laughs> but even the rando in the car has a gun well, yeah. there, there's also a lot
4: of differences. Too. It doesn't, again, it does not show the heist. You see it in your mind's eye, but I think that that, that canonically makes it very different. Which
6: makes it a lot like yeah. Hamlet. Again, like you don't see any of the battle in Hamlet. Think of Seven.
4: There's people to this day that swore they saw Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box, and it's like, no, you definitely <sighs> no. didn't, because that wasn't a scene in the movie.
6: They did not pay for that special. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they did not. <laughs> yeah. But like people it think it box. because it of that was that intense in the experience.
0: Box. Yeah, like, it's true. I definitely. Nudity and Psycho.
3: That wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Right,
4: right. Yeah. I definitely saw some titty. Well, did you? It was in the box. <laughs> No, but I, I think that it's
0: incredibly bold in this movie that you don't yeah. see the actual, like, heist, besides you see, like, the alarm ringing and, like, them running out. But, like, you don't see any of that part of it, and it's just kind of, like, lost footage. I don't I don't know another filmmaker that would be bold enough that on their first film that they've ever yeah. uh, directed to do that, right? Like, cause there's filmmakers that definitely would do that later on. Here's, uh, here's a
4: heist movie that largely takes place in one room where they're dealing with the aftermath of a heist that you do not see.
6: And I going to tell you, you can spend a lot more money on your actors when you do that. That's
4: absolutely true. Yeah. Nice. I, I
0: definitely want to uh, cover the killing one day, though, and, and like, good kind of compare, like, as far as heist movies go, right? Like, cause there's like kind of genre defining, um, things. And I feel like, uh, I feel like like the neo-noir slash like indie version of something like that, right? Like this is like the the culmination of where like a genre that is very it's pretty easy to do. You just need a bunch of guys in a room and uh yeah. and, and well, like a, a crime. Angry men. Yeah.
4: You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's you don't you don't need much. And but the but the thing also well,
6: degree women talking. That's
5: <laughs> absolutely,
4: absolutely I mean but it doesn't seem stage play. That's that's the thing. Yeah. You know, although you yeah. could absolutely do a stage play of our dog. Sure you could.
6: Oh you
3: man know? KT let's let's do that let's get a grant in, and we'll do uh, Reservoir Dogs as a theater play Reservoir
0: Dogs day. the musical
6: All right it's on <laughs>
0: Just- I'm not tipping, tipping, tipping. <laughs> I'm not tipping today. <laughs> oh,
3: man. The dick number is going to be a showstopper.
6: If we can oh get it to be at all like an Alan Menken number, we're going to be rich.
0: Exactly. <laughs> we'll this this is a shootout.
6: Do not shoot me.
0: This is a shootout.
6: Do not shoot me.
0: <laughs> if you shoot him, you must shoot
6: me. it's Just confetti paper streamers, streamers, streamers. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Do not shoot me as a response and a call and response is pretty good. <laughs> yes. Put your hands up.
6: My hands
0: are up. Put your <laughs> hands up. My hands are up. Put them up. Look, he's up, writing up, it up, for up. us. Is <laughs> Uncle Ella going to green light it or what? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll take
4: this under consideration. All
0: right.
6: We are pitching a lot tonight. <laughs> a
4: lot of pitches. I got a lot of stuff on my desk. <laughs> you went, you went
6: a lot of it. spaghetti on this wall. And I'm I'm heading
4: out to the Poconos on vacation. <laughs>
0: I'm going to be away from the keyboard, as the kids say. You miss 100% of the films you don't pitch. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Andy, and please don't compare this to a different movie. No, you're
3: not. I'm a cop. (laughs) No, you're not. I'm a cop, 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 cop. I I did actually just want to say that. The the cop.
0: Who's the cop? Is it you? You, you, you.
3: Hi, I wanted to expand on the whole idea that I brought up. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a cop. I'm not going to get through this, am I? No. Um, Tar- Tarantino brilliantly did actually just take ten minutes from from uh um uh fr- from City on Fire and turn it into a completely different film and a completely different genre. with, Which with is what, uh I what
0: he says about it when we yeah. watch that little clip. Uh. And,
3: and and it's it's fine. Like like. That's that's okay. Like that—that's what remixing is—is is to take something mm-hmm. and recontextualize re, it.
0: Re, re, remix. Oh just,
3: <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and I, I think it's it's uh, incredible that it took like uh you know Quentin Tarantino is probably the only filmmaker
0: we that, that uh, P. Diddy. We need to get P Diddy to rap over our please song. <laughs>
6: I'm gonna Go give ahead you ahead. an award if you finish your thought, Andy. Yes. I'm gonna give you an award if you can get to the end of the sentence.
3: But yeah, no, the the, the fact that Quentin Tarantino is probably the only director that 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 actually participates in this kind of remix culture, uh, and I can't I can't think mm. of anybody else, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to even the same mm-hmm. lo- degree of uh, as we mentioned before, yeah. Paul's Boutique, uh, which I think is right. a watermark, like like a watershed album of of sampling. Like, it like is, that is it canonically it, is yeah you're right yeah, yeah yeah I mean like I could you know funky cold redeemer uh but by, by uh, Ton Loke, I think I think also does a great job of like distracting you from what song it is even though it's it's right. Janie's crying um but but you know like you hear it and you're
5: like oh, oh oh yeah okay okay for
4: but a like, second I thought you said funky cold redeemer by the way which was <laughs> which is definitely sounds like it would be something that's on like one of these faith networks yes well where do you see the funky cold redeemer. <laughs> By Talk, you know there's a little
0: guy known as jc <laughs> you kids like funko pops well someone else was funky and
4: my main man yeah
5: <laughs> the christ he is
4: risen
0: yo how how is adam how is adam devine such a good fucking youth pastor and the righteous Gemstones? Oh, like, so he, bring, he brings yeah. that energy like 100- a <laughs> hundred
4: i never would have guessed that when i saw morocoholics but Yeah. Andy, remix culture, Paul Paul's boutique. I agree. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and Quentin Tarantino comes out the gate, basically taking this this uh, new form of recontextualizing older music and applying it to film, and and then being able to grow as an artist out of that much. And like you know, like the Beastie Boys uh, through the '90s, you know, grew out of what Paul's boutique was and into uh, a very interesting band. you know which keeps getting reused in Star Trek movies. I don't know, that's weird, but <laughs> um, which Quentin Tarantino almost made a Star Trek movie, so there you go, there's the connection.
0: Um, all right, well, we've figured it out. <laughs> Catch us next week for Mahalan Drive. Also, K Billy, super sound of the 70s weekend, just keeps on a coming with this little ditty that reached up to 21 in May of 2022. This is Kona Neutron with the movie night extravaganza theme song. <laughs>